Hey, is it Fry-yay yet? <laughs> I think so. Fry-yay! We're going to celebrate Fry-yay with, who have I annoyed by saying that? Somebody's going to go, that's ridiculous. Stop saying Fry-yay. It's Friday. Okay, I know. If you count the days of the week and you have those names, who knows? But we have Kimberly Overton from the Nurse Freedom Network. I joke, it's like, she who must not be named, not because she's evil or anything, because she's wonderful, but uh, she keeps saying, every time I tune in, I hear you talking about me. Yes, your ears are burning, Kimberly. We love you and the Nurse Freedom Network. And there's an event one day prior to the Next Steps event uh, outside of Atlanta. We want you know, nurses, get on it. Go, go there. We'll talk about that. Also, we got some great questions of the day, one on lead toxicity, lead poisoning, another on cirrhosis of the liver. And then we have a, 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 a dad and a daughter duo. The dad was near dead, written off for dead under the COVID in the hospitals. And what a journey, what a story of recovery and healing. That's coming up. And yes, every couple of weeks, our buddy, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center is going to show up. That's today. Oh, that's why it's Friday. You follow me now? RobertScatBell.com slash listen. Y'all check it out. Share the show. I'll see you in the chat room. Super Don, let's get this Healing Friday party started right about now. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, where's the Friday party open? I was, I just, I was just celebrating right into the Friday, and I, now I'm, now I'm totally bummed out. Now it's like I can't even continue with the show, Super Don. You're just gonna have to, you're just gonna have to like. Didn't I don't know. need it. You said kept saying Friday. That was just yeah. you know. That wasn't good enough. Right? That was not good enough. That was not. I was hoping for the Friday transition. I was I was scrambling a little bit today, so I didn't get the Friday open put together. All right, Sorry. so go ahead and do it yourself. Sing it right now. Whatever it, it is, I don't even remember what oh, it is. Friday, it Friday. Yeah, got to get I down know. on Friday. That's helping. Yes. Yes. It's more. No more. No, I can't remember the rest. Of oh that. man! All right. Well, <sighs> anyway, I can't believe we're here already. Almost on the verge of another weekend i know that this week went by so so fast for me anyway it just how, boom it's done how fast can a weekend go how many balloons do we have to shoot down over our heads two dude two i just found out there's a, a press conference going on right now mm -hmm. uh apparently yeah. something was floating over alaska and oh. president biden got on the phone and said shoot it down which yeah. is not what he did the first time uh, no, but this no, time no. apparently he's learned his lesson I wonder. So they call it baked Alaska now, flying down, Something. dropping down. Damn. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I don't want to dwell on that. I just want to have, have some fun with my friends today and new friends that, you know, serious topics as always. Uh, Kimberly Overton is going to join us in a few minutes from the Nurse Freedom Network with some updates. And uh, Michael Bolden will bookend the show uh, from the 10th Amendment Center with our, you actually have a nice video intro. Um, I'm warning mom, it's not Mickey friendly music. Uh, Super Don bringing some metal back into the show a little bit. You know, listen, we are both uh, ch children of the 80s. Yes, yes, we and are. And it was all about long hair and rock and roll. And so mm -hmm. you, you got to cut us a little bit of slack once in a while. Yeah, Mom, cut us some slack. Just a little bit. Just a <laughs> the little rest bit. Of it, the, ref the rest of it's all Mickey friendly, so it'll, it'll be fun. <laughs> um, let's see what we got. Oh, uh, updates on uh, Utah Safe and Effective, the movie, uh, the documentary. Uh, there is going to be a premiere in a theater for those of you who are in the Salt Lake City area 
at the Jordan Commons Theater. I don't know, Super Don, I sent you that uh, link, if you can, and there's tickets available through Ticket Taylor, whatever that is. It'll be on Thursday, February 23rd at 7 o'clock uh, in a theater. Uh, so if you are in the Salt Lake area or you know somebody that is, please tell them. Share the link. Uh, Super Don will add it to the show notes. Put it in the uh, chat room as well. It's at the Megaplex Theaters in, in uh, I guess, Jordan Commons, it's called. And uh, that's coming up. Now, it's the same time, of course, as the, there it is. Yeah, an apolitical documentary, Utah Safe and Effective. Uh, so if you guys, even if you can't be there, share it with somebody who can be. Uh, so we can wake people up and hopefully soften the hearts of those who've been hardened over those who've been injured uh, by taking that COVID jab. Which we do have news on the COVID jab uh, related to, uh, well, guess what? The CDC just added it to the childhood vaccination schedule, which was predictable and maybe inevitable because once the emergency ended or ends, there is no more prep act that can protect it. So in order for the profiteering from big pharma, from Pfizer and BioNTech and whoever's going to have these jabs available for your kids or anybody else, in order for it to continue after the emergency, they had to put it on the schedule. Now, the question is, is anyone left that thinks the ACIP committee or the CDC is a legitimate group or organization? Explain to me how they have any shred of scientific validation to put this on the childhood schedule other than to have it retain and regain liability protection should it be used and then injure and kill the recipient without it being put on the schedule it wouldn't be available anywhere because the the company itself or companies themselves that have these jabs to put out uh for people that don't want them by a mandate or soft mandate would pull them from the market instantly if they could be sued for all the damage and carnage and death that they're causing so my question to you, any last shred of you, probably not in this audience, believes that the CDC is a, a legitimate organization uh, other than the toxicologists that are hiding in the basement of the CDC on Clifton Road in Atlanta. The rest of them I could do without. Most everybody could, and we'd do a lot better. They have put it on the schedule because they needed it to be liability-free when the emergency ends super don am i missing anything i mean isn't this a so ridiculously obvious where is there evidence of need for kids much less if they use it in kids that it would suddenly work to there isn't any them? yeah no no there isn't any <laughs> and we know this decision because <laughs> they had the the uh the fda advisor meeting people thing where they voted on it and we covered that when it happened so we knew that this was coming Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, really the COVID-19 is going to be like a routine vaccine for kids. Um, yeah, it, it defies science, which, you know, that's what they say. Follow the science, right? Follow yeah. the science. <laughs> don't be a science denier. Don't, don't, don't do that. Anti-science aggression. Follow the science. Well, the science doesn't say that kids need this thing. No, nobody needs it, but yes, yeah. at least of all kids. Well, you know what I'm saying, though. I mean, if, you know, let's, let's even go with their own their own narrative, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, there's a lot of conflicting opinions out there, Yeah. even in the, uh, the, the you know, the 
medical community, capital M medical community, you know, on whether kids should be getting this. I mean, you got people like, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Offit of all people, right. Yeah. Bizarre, you know, man. that is, yeah. is button up against what it is that they're saying about these vaccines. Yet, mm-hmm. uh, they just rubber stamped it. Yeah. Yeah. If y'all don't believe me, what I'm saying here, just check out the links are in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. And you could see Superdon's got a link to CNN article and there are others covering it. Yet somebody, please, somebody explain to me how the ACIP committee that recommended it any more than the CDC itself is a legitimate organization that should be funded or exist even one more day. Rochelle Walensky crying aside. If we just, <laughs> if we just had more money, our culture will shift. We promise. No, the culture hasn't shifted. It's a complete marketing and distribution arm for the pharmaceutical slash vaccine industrial complex, cult, religion, death inducing, um, you know, product promoting liability free scenario where the revolving door between those at the highest levels of that, those agencies end up in the very industry that they uh, promote and profit from. If not initially, certainly when they leave these organizations in government or quasi government. So, folks, uh, if you are wondering how your tax dollars are spent and why you're a rube to pay them or to think you have a liability to support the, the, the abject, degenerate medical intervention where none is required and that intervention without liability could result in only poor outcomes, you hope they survive these shots, but many won't. In fact, we're hearing about longevity average age longevity reductions in those who have gotten one shot, two shot, three shot, four shot, five shot, significant reduction of expected longevity for those that got the jab, even if they've come out of it, they're seemingly unscathed. Nobody's coming out unscathed is the point. You can't uninject that stuff. Now there are good people and we feature them here on this show that are doing their best as we all are to try and remedy to whatever degree possible. Those who have, taken the jab and regret it and want help. We're not sentencing you to death. That's not our point or place to do so. We want to provide not only hope, but real options and solutions. And we'll do that, including with my friend, Kimberly Overton and what she's calling remnant nursing through the nurse freedom network. Let's bring Kimberly into the Robert Scott Bell show right now. Kimberly, how did you get here? Who invited you? I don't know. I, I think it was, I think it was super Don. Super Don did it. Oh, blame me. Fine. Might have been Kevin. See, but you would be praised for it, Super D, if you did it. So you should accept that as it's yes. uh, obviously Absolutely. I'm teasing. Absolutely. No, Kevin gets the credit for this one, I believe. Yeah. And and I know we've got the uh, uh, Next Steps conference coming up in a couple of weeks or less now uh, outside of Atlanta. And the day before that is uh, a nursing day. Let's talk about that, too. But do you have any comment on the CDC adding the COVID jabs for kids onto the schedule, the routine schedule. Am I allowed to say those kind of words on uh, the air or? I don't know if you can bleep them fast enough, but you can bleep them yourself. Yeah. I mean, disgust. I'm completely disgusted with what was uh, handed down today. I mean, it's, as you said, it's expected. We didn't expect anything different, Mm -hmm. um, but it never ceases to amaze me how disgusting the, and underhanded our captured government agencies have been. And I am just trying to implore parents. I'm literally begging parents to put, I'm probably going to end up in Facebook jail again, because I put Mm -hmm. it out there today on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please parents do not 
Do not jab your children with these experimental shots. If you've done it already, please reach out to me, info at nursefreedomnetwork.org. We have detoxes that are, are working really well. Um, so I would just implore all of the parents to please do their own independent research. You can't even trust you. Unfortunately, you can't even trust your trusted physicians because at this point, these doctors and these nurses, if they're educating you, and I say that very loosely, um, and anything other than that, they're either ignorant or they're complicit at this point. Yeah, the, the, the time for being quiet doctors and nurses is long since passed. Yeah. You know, the doctors, the pediatricians themselves should be protesting this. Knowing Absolutely. what we know, I mean, there's there's not even a little bit of gray area going, well, maybe there's a two-year-old out there somewhere or a four-year-old that would really benefit, but no, none, zero. And, and I covered the AAP's position, uh, American Academy of Pediatrics, and um, they never met a, a jab that they didn't like for kids. And they're promoting uh, for obese children, aggressive drug and surgical therapies rather than as I argue, organic, clean foods, detoxification strategies, support. And it just, it's so far beyond the pale that these organizations are, are still considered respected, intelligent, scientifically, or evidence-based. Exactly. And, and a lot of people don't realize that these pediatricians and these family medicine practitioners are financially incentivized to keep their patients on schedule with these recommended vaccines. Uh, and to, you know, um, we're talking like what, $40,000, $50,000, if I'm not mistaken. It's it's pretty significant uh, amount per year. And I um, somebody told me that it was per, it might be per shot. I don't know. I'm not sure. But um, I never, I never knew until just a few years ago that they even received any type of financial incentivization. I was horrified. Yeah. We've had doctors on that acknowledged it could add as much as half a million dollars a year, in some cases to the practice bottom line. Simply yeah, by getting, no, getting they, to a certain quota. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of disasters that, unfortunately, we still have to cover in the allopathic medical monopoly. And, you know, this is where, Kimberly, what you've woken up to with the horror that it is, rather than, you know, just screaming in horror and doing nothing, you've elected to, now that you know better, to do better. And this was the dawning, the invention, if you will, of the Nurse Freedom Network and now what's called Remnant Nursing. I want to get into more of that. But first, real quick, can you invite the nurses in our audience to the not only the entire Next Steps event, but the day before, because that's 22nd through 25th. Your event is officially there at same place on the 21st of February. That's right. So it's going to be on the 21st. We are going to be doing nurse-led workshops um, that we're going to be focusing on solution-based strategies, right? We we know what the problem is. We've identified the problem 100 times over. We've got to start working on solutions. So I hope that you will join us. Um, it's going to be from 9 to 5 on February the 21st. Tickets are just uh, $75. And if you are a premium member of uh, Nurse Freedom Network Ministries, our private membership association, you do get 50% off of the cost of admission. Nice. And then you'll be there with us the entire week, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So definitely stay on for the entire main conference. As you know, Tia's events are amazing. They're incredible, wonderful way for us to get together and start to, to go about the business of shifting the, the paradigm across all facets of society, not just healthcare. Yeah, next-steps.info. And you can use the code RSB10 to get a 10% discount or however you get there. Well, we'd love to see you there. And, and Kimberly, are you going to present as well outside of just the nursing day? Yeah, I am actually going to be part of the new medicine paradigm. So that will right. be um, myself, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Pierre Corey, uh, Dr. Krishna Donaparthi, and yeah. I believe Dr. Kenny Benson will be there as well. So we'll, we'll all be presenting. I think that's on day three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
that's when I'm going to be doing, uh, I, I guess, that new, I say new medicine, but I said getting back to basic, you know, historical house, maybe? natural know. medicine. Uh, but the thing is, the things that I say will make anything you and Peter and everybody else do obsolete. So I don't even know why you'll bother, but <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Obviously, what I want to do is prevent the need for the things that you guys are going to have. Well, the way you're going to talk about it, I know, is completely different. It's actually honoring of the needs of the patients, the people that are coming into that sphere. So it's completely different. And the point of, of the next steps is like there's a place for it all in freedom, not monopoly. And uh, so there's a lot to learn, all of us, to teach each other, to learn from each other. And uh, I'm just really thrilled and excited that we get together. And again, shout out to Tia uh, for uh, doing this again. This is my second time in, uh, joining it. And it looks like it's going to be a phenomenal event. So while there are tickets still available, please join us there. Buford, Georgia, outside of Atlanta, Lake Lanier Islands. And it's going to be a great celebration. There'll be music and celebration and all kinds of fun stuff will be happening that week. Uh, so looking forward to that. So my next question, Kimberly, goes to this thing called remnant nursing. Now we have this in addition to nursefreedomnetwork.org linked up in the show notes today at robertscatbell.com. There's also something called remnant nursing.org. And I got to ask just from my knowledge of when I think of a remnant, I think of a leftover piece of carpet and, and you get to use it in a little area. I'm like, explain to me the use of remnant in, in terms of nursing. And maybe I'm missing something in terms of meaning. So people will, if they think like I'm thinking like, what is that? Yeah. And it, it is, it's like the leftover, right? But in the biblical sense, it's like the leftover of, of, nurses who are here for for patients and who are here to do god's work you know um and the name really came to me the name the logo all of it came to me i like to say it came to me straight from the lord i'm telling you i it all came to me almost like a vision um mm -hmm. with the um, infinity sign and the cross and the r the way that it was i i just i was sitting outside i'll never forget it i was sitting outside of my back porch and i was like oh, okay I was like, I'll be right back. And I went in the house and I started designing this logo and I just came up with the name. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I guess that's what's next. So, um, but it was interesting. And it, alongside of the 501c3, North Freedom Network, as you know, is a 501c3, but we started the Private Membership Association, which is a 508C1A, Nurse Freedom Network Ministries. And under that umbrella, we are launching Remnant Nursing. Um, and this is going to be a way that we can provide care and, mm -hmm. and get, you know, first of all, we want to focus on taking care of these vaccine injured patients because nobody is taking care of them, unfortunately. There are a few people, but, you know, for the most part, they've all been better abandoned yeah. by their medical community. And we want to make sure that they know that there are people out here that will, that will help them and that we see and recognize their injuries. Well, and I know that you're tapping into numerous holistic natural strategies to I, you know, I, I wish we didn't have to triage at all, but in, in many cases, the walking wounded that even have pre-existed the COVID jabs, but have been made worse by it and are challenging all of us, allopathic and holistic, to meet a new and unusual scenario that we've never encountered in terms of synthetic mRNA injections and what's manifesting. And of course, there are commonalities and similarities, but there are many distinct differences as how it's manifesting in each each individual. So there won't be enough people to meet the demand maybe ever, but that doesn't mean don't start. That doesn't mean don't, you know, that's what you're doing with the remnant nursing. And by the way, uh, you're, you know, my experience with you is you are so open to learning right now. You're in this voracious appetite. Well, I've got to learn more because I want to help people. And, and it's a great place to be. And many nurses that have woken up are now participating with you 
And yes, many people are indeed signing up to be part or members so that they can access the services, which are probably more varied than I realize. Maybe you can relate to how people can use the service, even if they're not nurses, they're just average folks looking for some help. Yeah. So for for $15 a month, that's uh, the the cost to join the private membership association that gives you just the bare bare bones kind of access to our services. Um, And with that, you are able to get the concierge nursing services. You can get some, uh, you know, coaching on lifestyle modifications. We can uh, do a comprehensive review of your medical history, your medications, all of that. And we can make some recommendations for you on, um, you know, diet, nutrition, exercise. What we want to really focus on is keeping people well, because that is unfortunately not what we have done historically in this sick care system. Um, What we're doing is managing symptoms rather than looking to the root cause and eradicating them. So all of the nurses, myself included, I know you're very familiar with Melissa Schreibfeder. We've been through her functional medicine uh, for nurses and we're all trained. All of these allopathically trained nurses are coming through and going through these different courses in order to get themselves educated to better care for our patients because there's a better way out there. um, And we want to help guide people to that. Mm-hmm. That was the most depressing thing about being an ICU nurse was the 85 to 95%, I would venture to say, of the things that we would see come through that door, completely preventable with lifestyle modifications. Wow. Now, we were together uh, most recently, I think, at the Reawaken America tour. Yes. And then right afterwards, uh, there was an event that Christian Northrup uh, was at that helped, help, you know, we connected with some more nurses and some doctors, even a naturopath about an affidavit program. We covered it on the show the other day as well. And I believe that that's something that will also be available for those attending the, not only the nursing day that you have coming up, but the next steps conference. Well, I think I actually just saw a message come through that that might, they may not be available to come that day, unfortunately, but that's something that we're going to work on in the future. I, I do have another, another event in Nashville that will be April 28th through the 30th. And I want to try to get them on board for that one as well. But we can oh, certainly. Okay. You're bringing up uh, Terry and Stu Warner, right? Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. coming up? Yeah. So yeah. we'll plan, and we don't have a banner for that yet. The moment they have one available, it'll be added to our upcoming events page because that's the end of April. And uh, I'll be there and I believe uh, emceeing the event and speaking at it and broadcasting from it. So uh, we'll have a lot more information as we get confirmation on the dates, times, places. But it looks like the end of April back in Nashville, uh, we will be. And I'm looking forward to seeing everybody there. And uh, we've had some great, great trips to Nashville, a lot of fun, a lot of good things happening in Tennessee as well. Uh, so um, are there questions that people have that are common? You know, they say FAQ, frequently asked questions that I don't even know to ask about the remnant mer- nursing uh, yeah, in you- the Nurse Freedom Network. Yeah. So remnant nursing is very, it's very new concept. So people have a lot of questions about it. And basically, you know, the benefit of it is twofold because we're going to be providing services to our patients, but we're also going to be creating opportunities for these nurses who are ready to break away from this, this broken system that really does nothing to serve us or our patients and hasn't for a very long time. Um, so there is actually, um, and I really don't discuss the, the model. It's very unique, but um, I, and I typically save that for um, our members to come in. We do a virtual information session with them that gives them all of the information, but pretty much it is um, a way that they are able to come in and have their own uh, concierge nursing practice underneath the umbrella of remnant nursing. And we also provide education. We provide functional medicine training. Uh, We Mm -hmm. provide training on a a weight loss program, hormone replacement uh, therapies. 
um, homeopathy for nurses and IV hydration therapy. So there's four or five different tiers where you're able to earn up to 90% of the consultation and package pricing uh, that we um, collect from clients. So the, the more, basically the more education that you have, the more that you're able to earn. And it's very flexible. You can, you can uh, set your own hours and set your own schedule. But I will say this, Robert, I very much underestimated the level of interest that people would have in what we're doing and what we're creating. So yeah. I've done, I do the PowerPoint um, or the presentation, slideshow presentation with these nurses and there hasn't been a single one that hasn't wanted to sign up immediately for what we're doing. They're very, very interested in it. And um, at this point, you know, we, we're very, we're, we're 100%, um, you know, supporter funded. We don't have any financial backing and it's, it's becoming a lot for me to have to do all of the day-to-day -day operations of it. So I'm thinking I may have to back just slightly away from that for just a little bit and focus more so on our um, events and on, um, our, our vaccine injury program, because I just wasn't prepared for the onslaught of nurses that are ready um, for what we're doing. But I, and I don't, what I don't want to do, Robert, is I don't want to lead these nurses into assured failure. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. And if we don't have our systems up and running and in place, then that's what's going to happen. So I think that it's very important for us to build a very strong foundation. We've got a great framework, but we really need to have a solid foundation. And I am not going to bring these nurses in and, and again, lead them down a path that's well, not going to serve us. Yeah. The, the concept of being organically grown cannot be overstated in its importance because there are certainly people that can come in and see the value of what you're doing and say, hey, have a million bucks. Or a billion, you know, whatever, because right? there's always dollar signs that people will see in terms of investment. But what are what is being created and does it honor what you're doing? And I know that you are all about that and praying on it and then, you know, looking to, to grow it in a way that it is sustainable, maybe even exactly. duplicatable, but sustainable. And that is take the time, even though it's urgent and we know and we feel and sense the urgency, if we leap forward too quickly, and not have, you said, the infrastructure in place. So there might be someone out there listening right now that says, you know what, I would like to help. And it isn't necessarily about donating a zillion dollars, but hey, I have a skill here that could help make sure that this platform is something that sustains long into the future. And I know that's your concern. It, it, is, it is. I mean, I feel like we have one chance to do this right. And, and I want to take that chance. I want to give it everything that it deserves. I think it's a great framework. I think it's something that's going to really be change, you know, life-changing for many of us as nurses to be able to, you know, create and invest in this for ourselves. We're building this and forging our own path with it for ourselves and for our patients. And I think that it'll be life-changing for so many of us, but we've got to do it right. We have to do it the right way because there is going to be a lot of pushback. But, yeah. you know, I've gotten to a point where I really have to be concerned about my own health because we really can't take care of people in a meaningful way yeah. if we're not able to care for ourselves. Oh, that and is such an important lesson. It's, I'll tell yeah. you, it's become an issue because I can't be, you know, tech support and I feel like I'm in a hamster wheel and all I'm doing is answering um, emails and it's not it's not a productive place to be. So while I think we have so much potential, we we really have to build it in such a way where, you know, we're going to have a solid foundation and we're going to be able to really um, mm -hmm. take off. And I don't have any doubt that we will um, when when we're ready, when we're ready. Well, I want to acknowledge and say thanks to our friends at Sovereign Copper when we were there in uh, Nashville and we went to the Christian Northrop event as well. 
uh, we were able to, you know, give away some gifts to the doctors and nurses and practitioners, as well as uh, a nice donation of, of, of Sovereign Copper products for the Nurse Freedom Network to help your efforts. Yeah. Uh, maybe to, I don't know what you're going to do if you're going to entice people and say, here's a free gift. But I'm grateful that you have access to that because that's one of the things I keep, you know, lecturing and teaching on. As much as many doctors and nurses are now recognizing the role of a dietary mineral supplements and things, uh, that everything works in concert with one another and understanding the interactivity. And many people are still lacking that copper uh, dietarily and or it's been driven into deficiency by even some of the other good things that people have been doing. So again, another aspect of support, and I'm grateful just to shout out both those of you who haven't tried the Sovereign Copper um, and I don't know, Kimberly, if you've set up a thing, anybody signs up, they get a little bottle while you have them. I don't know. That's something we could think about doing too. Yeah. I've been thinking about maybe doing, put, putting them into our remnant care kits. Do you want to yeah. mention that? That is yeah. something we won't be backing away from is we do have ivermectin available and we do the uh, COVID care kits, which we can ship uh, internationally. Mm -hmm. But we, um, if you're, if you have COVID, we have a, um, a great partnership with a, a, a compounding pharmacy here in Tennessee, which ivermectin is available over the counter. And mm -hmm. we are able to add that compounded weight-based ivermectin to our kits. And they are designed to keep people healthy, well, and out of the hospital. So they can come with a nebulizer, with an incentive spirometer, a pulse oximeter, basically everything they need, all of their supplements and the ivermectin, yeah. again, to keep them healthy, well, and out of the hospitals. We all know what happens when, sadly, when they end up hospitalized. I like the idea of putting that sovereign copper in that kit, though. Yeah, I do, no, too. Yeah, I, do too. I, I think yeah. that would be a great addition to it. Wonderful, wonderful. So other events, I can't keep up with you because I know so you don't even realize what you've created in a sense with Peter, you know, Peter McCullough has taken a real shine to you and, and, and brought you under his wing to say, Hey, everybody should know about Kimberly and the nurse freedom network, which is amazing with, with Peter's outreach. What a nice man as, as we got to hang out with him a little bit last time in Nashville as well. Uh, wonderful heart. Uh, so other events between now and when I get to see you in the Atlanta area, what else do we need to yes, know about? We've got a whole bunch going on. So I'm actually heading out in about five days. I'm going out to Arizona. Uh, you've met a, a wonderful uh, friend in the fight here, Jody O'Malley. Uh, we're doing her book launch. Uh, Rare Courage is going to be um, launching. So we're going to have a private exclusive meet and greet event. That's a ticketed mm -hmm. event. You can go to our remnantnursing.org for those tickets as well. Um, and that is going to be the 16th of February. And then mm -hmm. February 17th, we have the actual book launch par party. Um, and that is in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then after that, let's see, where are we going after that? I feel like there's so many more events coming up. I think, oh, uh, Dr. Neuenschwander is event with MAPS in mm -hmm. North Carolina. I'll be out there. Uh, that's March 16th through the 18th for the Pediatric Special Needs Conference. Um, that's going to be a great event. Mm -hmm. uh, what else do we What else do we have? Um, oh, Texas, I'm speaking in San Antonio. At, uh, the, are you going to that one as well? I don't, I don't think I've been invited to that as of now, but there's plenty of places to go and I'm trying to be very judicious in where I go and how much I put myself out because, you know, the, that one we were at in Florida together, which was great uh, with Terry doing all of them. It, I was just overwhelming the, the pace at which I went and I had additional things to do. So I'm trying to be smarter about the trips, but yes, if, if I get invited, I take it very seriously, consider it, pray, contemplate over it before I make a decision. But I know that uh, at the very least, you know, we got the one in, in uh, Atlanta, outside of Atlanta, the Buford one, and um, the one late April. 
you know, in, uh, in fact, Super Don, if you don't mind, we could show the upcoming events tab just to give everybody a heads up uh, that's watching or listening. Uh, we can reference that. But there's an upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com that gives you a heads up on where I'm going to be typically. And there are some online events, too, that are free. You don't have to go anywhere for, including the first one coming up, the 18th and 19th of February is the Health Freedom Expo, Trinity Health Freedom Expo. It's a virtual expo. It's everything that happened in October and more including a couple of uh, live uh, events that you can watch from the comfort of your own home on your computer or through your phone, the Whova app. And that's only 30 bucks. You get three months of access to that. We've, we've talked about that extensively. I hope to see you there. Then we have the Next Steps event. Remember the day before is the nursing event. We've got links to that. And I'd love to see you at that event. And by the way, those of you who don't know, my mom's planning to be there at least a couple of days. And she just celebrated her 89th birthday. And I want to say, again, thank you to Baybury. Uh, from Folium PX, F-O-L-I-U-M-P-X.com. Uh, she's on that uh, three-pronged approach with Babry, and it's a supercharged Chernobyl-level antioxidant that has helped her get her energy back, her sleep back, and she's dancing again. So uh, you'll, you'll get to meet mom if you haven't met her at the uh, Next Steps conference uh, and celebrate my birthday, which will be on the 23rd, and we'll have a, a party on top of a party. Uh, and then there's a Terrain online event, Love Your Liver, coming up, a Toxic Mold online class, as well as the mind, body, soul restoration. And I believe Tracy Straup, I'm hoping will be there as Judy Mikovits will be there and others, Jamie uh, Dorley and the gang from Nutritional Frontiers. That will be the first and second of April primarily. And I'll be heading down from Virginia for that because I'll be with Jonathan Emord on a three city tour of Virginia with his Senate campaign there in, uh, in uh, Commonwealth. Also, there's an event in, uh, also in April, I think, uh, before that's before the one in Nashville. And that will be uh, Be Healthy Utah. I believe that's it. Be Healthy Utah. You could see that. And then we have a big union, RSB Family Union, July 14th, 15th, 16th, scheduled in Missouri at the homestead of Leslie and family, who has a wonderful podcast on the Robert Scott Bell Podcast Network. And that is Stay at Home Mom or Stay at Home Mom, as well as The Preacher and the Polish Girl, which is Ula and her husband, Mark, on that. And then we have later in the, in the year, September already planned, 14th through 17th in Las Vegas, the Biomed Expo. Let me know if you want to know more about any of those events or want to participate or even maybe speak at it. I could perhaps get Kimberly to go to that one, uh, which would be fun. So that's just, a, just a, a fraction of what's happening this year. As long as we have the ability to get together, we must get together. We have been, you know, uh, really limited over the last three years to some degree. Some of us didn't stop altogether, but severely curtailed our ability to get together and we must do that while we can you know my birthday's the week after yours so i think we should have some big big uh, combined birthday party what do you think absolutely yeah that'll be great what are you gonna be 24 25 you're such a baby you're such a baby 25 come on now. how are you so wise at that age you're ridiculous you know that i know are you gonna be bringing some instruments to jam with uh yeah which uh, one you want to bring on i'm gonna bring the saxophone or the guitars well, what will go well with five times August? Because he's going to be with us at the uh, event. Well, he plays the guitar, so maybe I just bring the sax. Because that would I'm, be amazing. I mean, well, is Ryan Cole coming to that event? Because I don't. He might be coming with his trumpet, and he he's just the most talented person ever. And I wouldn't even like try to compare with with Dr. Cole. Well, as long as you're better than Bill Clinton on the sax, will be great. Okay. Well, I'm better than him in, in a lot of ways. So yeah, you are. It's not, maybe not, not on the sax, but I'm mediocre at best. But it's okay. I haven't picked mm -hmm. it up in a while. Yeah, no, no contest there. 
So let's see, where else do we go today? Uh, I know we've got some questions of the day. It, it, would you be happy and, and, and uh, content if you could answer them with me? You don't have to have the answer, but even a comment or two from your nursing background on my perspective as a homeopath, what you would add to it or detract from it. That would be fun. Okay. Let's All right. Super Don, let's do our first question of the day. And it's found in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. This is from Yolanda. I think it came in yesterday or the day before, but we're finally getting to it. Hi, Robert and Super Don. My niece's two-year-old son was exposed to lead and mold. What can she give for this and also herself? And what dosage would you recommend? Thank you, Yolanda. So, all right, lead exposure at any age is not good. We know that uh, it can, in a chronic low-level sense, it can greatly reduce IQ and and curtail a lot of developmental milestones for these two you know young kids. Uh, but it's not good for any of us to have this lead. Now, uh, one of the key minerals when we deal with lead toxicity and detoxification is selenium again. I come back to how important selenium is and, and how deficient it is in, in much of our diets, even in what we consider selenium-rich foods like Brazil nuts. People don't realize how far less, how much less selenium is available to us, even in Brazil nuts today, much like I've talked about copper deficiencies, other deficiencies in the soil so taking it in a whole food form, selenium, if that child at two can't swallow a little tablet, then you can crunch it up because the innate response selenium is a food. It's actually food. It's like eating a Brazil nut, but it has more concentrated whole food uh, selenium. That would be something you can crunch up and put in food or mix into a, a drink or a smoothie easily enough. Um, there's also in the medical field, you remember, Kimberly, did you ever learn about EDTA chelation or was there a controversy about that? You know, this is IV. Yeah, there was a controversy about that. That was not something that was typically recommended. Now, that is something that I do uh, you know, research and look into now. Basically, mm -hmm. everything that they told me not to do or to stay away from now, I'm convinced yeah. is like the cure, you know, for cancer. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's good for you, basically, if they told you it was right. not. Exactly. And look, in the early to middle part of the 20th century, Chelation therapy was considered a very legitimate detoxification support for lead, particularly lead poisoning. And what happened was that they found out that it was not only successful at doing that, but the patients that were put on this chelation, IV chelation, which are, these are synthetic amino acids. It's not a natural thing, but it's not toxic if done right. It's actually very beneficial and helpful for the detox pathways is that the patients put on this for lead toxicity we're also coming out with arteries that were clear and clean, considering that they were atherosclerotic, if you can say it that way. I can't say it very well, but basically they were clogged up and they were cleaning them out. And then suddenly the doctors that recognized this said, oh my gosh, we can treat all of these sclerotic diseases. And that is the moment that the medical monopoly said, uh, 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 this is now quackery. Why? Because there was an emerging field of medicine among cardiologists, those that would conduct what were called open heart surgery, bypasses, bypass surgeries. And that, that resulted in a reclassification of EDTA chelation as something that was uh, unacceptable and even considered, like I said, to use the term quackery. Uh, that kind of history is the history of medical monopoly of which, you know, you have woken from and many doctors are waking from because COVID finally shook them out of the reality that their system is good for some things, but not everything. Not most things. Mm. 
Not most things. I think, you know, it certainly has its place, but certainly um, if we're, if we're talking about wellness, I always laugh when people say, I'm going to go to the doctor. I really need to start, uh, you know, getting healthy and well. I was like, what the hell are you going to a doctor for? Yeah. <laughs> that is but, the last person I would go to. Another thing that could be utilized are, uh, we, we have access to, um, there's a, it's a colloidal state of the, uh, good Lord. I'm just drawing a blank here. Hold on. Before I come back to that. Also these energy bits, chlorella particularly, but spirulina, these can be given as well. These are clean as can be, and they can be binding of heavy metals as well, as well as their superfood concentrated nutrition. One little uh, spirulina tablet. It's like a whole plate of vegetables that you don't even get, but yes, uh, the word I was looking for the zeolites. And we might have to get our, our friend, uh, Christine Rom. She's also got access to that as well. And I know you've been talking and working with her. We had a nice meeting in Nashville with her and, and her team as well. So there's more options than ever of binding and excreting heavy metals. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, there's no limit to the, the toxic exposure. Like let's even just remove these vaccines. But I mean, you, you know, as well as I do, the food that we eat, the, the water we drink, the air that we breathe, we are exposed to toxins everywhere. And that's why it's so important to continually be detoxifying the body of um, these, these toxins and these heavy metals. And that's why I do recommend, and I've been using the detox Dr. Christina Rahm's formulations, clean slate, restore, and yeah. zero in. I've been using those for about 10 months, specifically with my vaccine injured that I've been working with. And we're really seeing some amazing, amazing results. So I'm very, mm -hmm. I'm very uh, hopeful. You know, we yeah. can't, we can't guarantee anything. Of course, everybody's different, but you know, what I've been seeing and uh, we can, we can always impart that there's hope for people. I don't, yeah. I don't like to, um, the doom and gloom. I don't, no. I don't live there. We don't play that game here either. And no. I appreciate you for, for also uh, acknowledging that uh, there are plenty of people doing doom and gloom. We don't have to contribute to that. Yeah. No, so, absolutely not. In addition, there are homeopathic detox drainage remedies. I did a uh, lecture on demand for my friends at Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org, to give you the concept of how homeopathy can restore integrity to the terrain uh, by supporting liver detox pathways and other things. And uh, in fact, the use of homeopathic lead, which is known as plumbum metallicum, is also known to be able to elicit a body to dump the lead in addition to other strategies that we've taught, some of which we've already talked about here. Uh, hydrogen water as well can be helpful in terms of binding and excreting and dealing with the inflammation uh, associated with free radicals like that. So there are a number of things that can be done, and I appreciate, uh, Yolanda, you asking the question. Now, we have a very, well, it's a bigger question. I don't know. It could be considered more complicated, Super Don. If you can go with this next question of the day from Kathy, uh, it says, hello, Robert. I don't know who's calling me. doesn't know I'm on the air. But it says, hello, Robert. I recently reached out to you for guidance on a close friend who has been suffering from stomach issues, dizziness, and yellowing of the eyes. You hear that, you know immediately where we're going. We're going to the liver. He was told yesterday that he has cirrhosis of the liver. He has been on the Not-A-Doc protocol for the last six months, which includes 100% whole food selenium, chromium, silica, and other things and uh, has upped his selenium. Unfortunately, he says the Canjest tea, which is another part of our liver strategy, has been an irritant for this person, but hopefully he can work his way slowly back to that. She says, I recommend this from Kathy. I recommend the silver aloe protocol for healing the intestines and to provide a better foundation in the gut for herbs and minerals to be properly absorbed. Very good. In addition to your thoughts on adding homeopathic drainage formulas, dandelion, hydrogen water, 
and Himalaya liver care. That's an Ayurvedic liver care formula that's used to treat cirrhosis and hepatitis C in India. Uh, she says milk, thistle, and other liver support herbs. Would coffee enemas be appropriate in this situation? Now, uh, that's you know something to determine, but I would not hesitate to utilize coffee enemas. That'll also enhance production of glutathione. And of course, if you have the selenium, the peroxidase form. Uh, he was given this information just yesterday and the abundance of fear that has been instilled in him by the allopathic doctors would be beyond disturbing, yet not surprising. He's only 38 years old with three very young children. Any guidance you can offer to prevent and or reverse damage scar tissue formation of the liver would be greatly appreciated. By the way, guess what? Copper plays a huge role in liver health and the reduction of the potential for scar tissue formation internally. So sovereign copper will be very important for this man. She says, I realize in order for this to manifest to such a degree, some serious damage was done, but I believe wholeheartedly that anything can be reversed given the proper healing approach. Disease cannot be healed in the same environment from which it was created. Good quote. As always, Robert, thank you so much for your insight. Your healing guidance is a gift beyond measure to so many. Thank you. God bless. Well, God bless you, Kathy, for reaching out for your friend. And I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to talk about this. This is one of my favorite subjects. And the fact is, Kimberly, with your training, even in allopathic nursing, you know, whether it's from high school or other biology courses, the liver is the most regenerative organ that we know of. The capacity for healing, even in disastrous circumstances, is amazing. But is there a drug that you learned about for the liver that will help to heal it and regenerate it? A drug? So, I mean, I can recall them using like antivirals um, and diuretics with these patients on cirrhosis. But, you know, mm. that, what is, what is that going to do? Is that going to heal anything? Is that going to regenerate anything? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, that's the difference in the, you know, by definition, as we know, if the FDA approves it, it's toxic. And there are varying degrees of toxicity. I acknowledge that. For instance, you know, the uh, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are considered pharmaceutical drugs, but their toxicity profile is extraordinarily low relative to many drugs that, you know, could kill you just from taking it correctly. Those are unique in that realm. And I, and that's why, you know, I don't speak out against them, even though there are other formulations that are commensurate to what those drugs do that can be utilized. Like I, I've talked about herbal mectin, H-mectin that I've used, and, and even when ivermectin didn't work. So, But the reality is all drugs by, by definition are some degree of toxicity and the liver is the main organ for detoxification. That's why they don't have drugs that reverse cirrhosis or hepatitis C, only managing these diseases and symptoms, but ultimately worsening it. So everything that Kathy mentioned is viable and more. There's a lot of ways to go, including castor oil, liver packs that you can put externally. And uh, we could go on for days and days and days on all the things in, na- in the natural world that can help heal the liver, none of which is taught in medical school or nursing school. Yeah, we were actually talking about that today, about how, um, you know, I was talking with Kevin and we were talking about different um, medications and uh you know, I was saying how that we don't get any information on natural treatments at all, but they do make us memorize literally um, every every prescription medication you could think of. They make us like write them down, make cards out, like what drug treats what disease, and they just kind of indoctrinate you with that information about the, the pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you really start to see it for what it is after you step away from it. But as far as anything natural that can can help, we don't learn anything about that. Nothing. So, so what is the strategy moving forward? I mean, I recommend people go take coursework from Trinity School of Natural Health. There are a number of others 
out there that are trying to do great work there. And as the Nurse Freedom Network, you're encountering many nurses that are in a similar boat as you waking up to this harsh reality and saying, I've got to do better. I can't do what I was trained to do in the same way. I mean, there's still high ideals within the nursing profession that can be done, whether you're allopathic or move more holistic or homeopathic. But there's a lot of training that wasn't given to you that you now know you need to integrate. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, we, when we think about things like depression and how, you know, serotonin, 95% of our serotonin is produced in the gut, right? But are we talking about healing the gut? If we heal the gut, we can remove so many of these issues that we're having. Um, but the, the first thing that they go to all the time is the prescription pad. And they really have us brainwashed as a society to believe that that is the best or only way. And this isn't true. We know this isn't true and we've got to stop and we've got to change the mindset. Um, and they will, you know, and I'm not trying to shame anybody that is on any type of antidepressant or anything like that, but look at um, that recent case, that, that really sad case in Massachusetts where that woman um, had killed her three children. Apparently she was um, in uh postpartum depression she was dealing with and she was on 13 different antipsychotic medications is what mm -hmm. i heard yeah i mean this who who thinks this is appropriate to be on 13 different medications and of course this is going to um, play a role on um mental well, health what, what didn't they teach you about postpartum depression as it relates to the you know sudden drop in certain you know hormonal shifts postpartum as well as mineral deficiencies that have manifested as this mom was developing this baby, helping to grow this baby and looking at the diminishment of certain key minerals also impacting the mental and emotional state, as opposed to looking at it as a, a, a psychiatric drug deficiency, 13 different medications, any one of which may have a contraindication because it will facilitate suicidal ideation and behavior. Exactly. And, and, you know, I'm, again, I'm not trying to shame people who are taking these medications. Sometimes medication is indicated. I get that, but is it's not, it should not be the uh, first resort. It should be the last. And if we have to have it, you know, in an acute situation where somebody's in an emergency situation, then we should be looking at ways to come off of these medications and to manage these in a more natural way. And again, healing the gut is where we start with everything. All roads lead to the gut, right? Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. So, yeah, we're dealing with, uh, to say disaster is not an exaggeration. We're not declaring emergency powers. The bad guys are. We're trying in freedom to bring people who are ready to finally open up and recognize the things that we have been doing that are wrong, that are hurtful, harmful, and not empowering, and chart a different course and not asking for permission. We're not waiting for the government to go here, do this. You, you have our stamp of approval. No, if we wait, we'll all be dead. The next step <laughs> conference is like that. It's set in the parallel societies. What you're doing with the nurse freedom network as a, as a private membership association is not waiting is creating a new or co-creating a new, a path that is by, I think a higher design an intelligent design. May I say connected to the source of all wisdom, our divinity, God focused and God centered yet still grounded in the sciences, not in a way that disempowers people, not in a way that's corrupted by pharmaceutical or economic interest, but genuinely the desire is sincere and heartfelt and heart-centered to empower and help people that are ready to get this kind of help as opposed to looking for the magic bullet or the magic pill and not changing their diet or lifestyle and taking control or responsibility for that which they genuinely have control over. 
No, you're exactly right. And, you know, like I said, people are having a distrust of the medical system more and more every day, and they should be distrustful of this medical system. As we see with this, um, what was handed down from the CDC, again, these nurses, these doctors, they're completely either ignorant or they're complicit at this point if they are recommending these experimental shots to for children as young as six months old. I, I can't believe that we're all at the same time that they are ending the yeah. COVID declara declared emergency. And these children were always at negligible risk. Yeah. As I said, the conflicts of interest, economic or otherwise, rise to the level of criminal behavior. Yet I know that since the institutions are so used to dominating that people, when they hear that, are like, well, how's that criminal? This is just the way it's always been done. Well, just because it's always been done that way doesn't make it not criminal to yeah. foist the shot that is only harmful and not helpful on children that never were genuinely at risk for this. And with all of the scientific evidence and clinical evidence that's been revealed, including that which is known by the FDA and the CDC, they still go, yep, let's put it on the schedule. And the only reason, the only reason that you can argue legitimately is so that there would be liability protection once the state of emergency is lifted whenever Biden does it or the Republican controlled house promotes it and he signs it. So uh, we are at a point of, well, it's not me delegitimizing these institutions. They're doing it to themselves. Now more people are seeing it. Absolutely. Um, and we have to, and we, you know, we just have to continue on, Robert, with what we're doing and try to empower and educate and inform more people to do their own research. Because again, so many of them just implicitly trust. I implicitly trusted. So many of these doctors have implicitly trusted. And we know that the parents are doing the same. And my hope is that they will start and that's why I go speak out at events and, and want to continue to speak out at events across the country because we want them to understand and get that perspective from, from those of us. And there's no shame in the decision that they made. You know, there, there isn't. We, um, we want to support these parents and just give them and provide them with the information that they need to make a truly informed decision. And again, um, don't live in a spirit of fear. We are not meant to live in a spirit of fear. Um, there's hope available if you've made the decision and you've vaccinated your child, please reach out to me. I'm happy to give you information and resources that will help. Um, and you can reach me at through our website, excuse me, at remnantnursing.org. And we're happy to provide that information. And you do not need to join my PMA. I will offer that information uh, freely to anybody who seeks it out. Remnantnursing.org, Nurse Freedom Network as well, uh, .org. We've got them both linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com, February 10th. 2023 man time is flying get in there and, and and find the great joy that we have found even in the midst of these challenges you know we get together with kimberly and our friend kevin and others and peter and we find laughter and joy and celebration in the midst of this and that's what we must find because life is a, a precious gift it's not all about serious even though there's plenty to be serious about we find times for laughter and silliness and fun, even though, again, it's a very, some would say deadly serious endeavor, what we're engaged in, not for inducing death, but for preventing it or delaying its onset. That is inevitable because none of us get out of here alive in terms of our physical selves, but our real spiritual selves live on. But in the meantime, that doesn't mean we don't appreciate the time here and want to help people to celebrate the time here and, and, fulfill their mission and passion for being here as they discover it. And Kimberly, I, I thank you for being on this journey with me. It's been a, a great pleasure to have you in my life and uh, to do the extraordinary things you are embarking on. You know, it's fun to see. 
Um, we're so thankful for you. We're thankful for you. Keep talking about me every time I tune in. I better hear Kimberly Overton and Nurse Freedom Network. I better hear it. Talking about? I, I never mention you. Never. Or the Nurse Freedom Network. I don't know what that is even. Who who let her on the show? Don? Super Don? Kevin? No. Of course. We love Probably Kevin. All right. So we got a lot more healing to go, Kimberly. I know how busy you are. You go take care and practice that sax. If you actually bring it, you're driving down. Maybe you can jam with five times August when we're together at the uh, the, uh, event. Be awesome. All right, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you, Kimberly. Big hugs, big hugs. Y'all check it out. All the links are in the show notes at robertscabell.com. Now we've got stories of healing, miraculous stories of healing, despite the killing fields of the hospitals. And that's coming up in the second hour of the Robert Scott Bell Show. If you go to the notes, you'll see uh, we have Doug Hines and his daughter, Ashley Gunderson, joining us. And it's, a, again, another miraculous story of, thankfully, survival, life. There are too many stories of tragedy and loss of life in these hospitals. How did this happen? And can we protect others? That's where we want to go next hour as well. Also, uh, we'll be joined at the bottom of the hour with Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. I still haven't figured out if it's considered bi-weekly to do it every other week, or is that twice a week? You guys, somebody figure that out and how to say it. But every other Friday, we like to get Michael Bolden on now this year uh, from the 10th Amendment Center. So that's coming up as well. Shout out to our friends at Nutritional Frontiers and CBDNF.com. That's a certified organic U.S.-grown hemp CBD products we utilize here. And uh, you can get a 15% off discount with the code RSB15, and that's true. For everything at Nutritional Frontiers, including you can double dip on their sale items. I just placed a big order myself and used the RSB15 code uh, from Nutritional Frontiers, getting some more of their um, DMG, dimethylglycine, to counteract all of the glyphosate that is contaminating almost everything. We've got to do better once we know better. And even as clean as my diet is, I cannot control fully for exposures, even from organic food sources. So strategically, I have added that into my daily regimen as well. And y'all check that out at nutritionalfrontiers.com. All right, a lot more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We got an educational pause at the top of the hour. Thank you for being here. Lots more to go. The power to heal is yours. All right, real quick, uh, there's uh, news out of Canada that there is some resistance emerging as uh, the digital ID is going full bore there because Pierre Trudeau, whatever, Castro, what's his name, can't even follow the premier prime minister of Canada, is threatening the various provinces of Canada with loss of access to the so-called socialized single-payer system of medicine or healthcare that they call it in Canada, unless they accept the digital ID fully. And there are premiers of different uh, provinces pushing back, including this, uh, was this Mo Scott Mo Premier Scott Mo uh, in Alberta. So I, I mentioned the digital IDs and what it portends if you accept it. I don't care where you are, America, Canada, anywhere on the world stage. If you accept a digital ID, you might as well board the boxcar. You know what I mean. And the boxcar could be your home because they can lock you down. All right. With that, I don't want anybody locked down in a hospital. As you see in the show notes at robertscatbell.com, our guests this hour include Doug Hines and Ashley Gunderson with a, a profound healing story 
in the midst of the disaster that is the killing or are the killing fields of hospitals, as Ashley's father, Doug, was there. And this story, I don't know how much of it we can tell, but I'm going to try to get out of the way and hear the inspiring story of a life-saving intervention or interventions. And I'm sure there's spiritual components to it because God uh, can overwhelm even killing field hospitals if you open yourselves up to those healing gifts. Ashley and Doug, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Nice to meet you. Well, I'm overwhelmed by your story, and I don't know, I don't want to put pressure on you, but I'm hard-pressed to communicate it any better than you could. Uh, Ashley, your desire and your family's desire to save your father, who was in a hospital looking like he wouldn't ever leave it alive. And uh, if you can share the journey for us, and, and maybe we can gain wisdom and inspiration to protect others. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I can let Dad start off with uh, the beginning. Yeah. Well, first of all, I loved your comment earlier, you and Don, about the 80s and uh, rock and roll and long hair. So I can relate to that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you. Because I got to deal with my mom who's going to go, hey, that music, what is that? <laughs> Love you, Mom. Just kidding. So, uh, so uh, Doug, tell us about your journey into the hospital and what happened. Yeah, and, uh, uh, end of July 2020. Um, I became sick with uh, COVID, um, I hit my lungs pretty hard, and I tried fighting it at home for a while with my wife, and uh, it came to a point where I couldn't hardly breathe anymore, so my kids convinced me, because I don't like going to the hospital or doctors like most people, and they finally convinced me to uh, go to the emergency room in Marshfield, and uh, and I went there, and and uh, tested positive for COVID, which I wasn't surprised at the time. And they admitted me and, and that's uh, the journey started there. Yeah, he basically from there, he doesn't remember a whole lot. Um, so they started, he signed a document for the remdesivir treatment and the plasmapheresis at the time was, was active as well. Um, so he signed an agreement to that because he was feeling like crap. And um, as soon as he signed that agreement, um, my mom had to leave. And we all agreed. We just thought it was going to be a few days. You know, they made it sound like, yeah, you know, he, he was relatively healthy beforehand. You know, he's no ailments that we knew of. Um, you know, he takes care of a huge garden at his, at his house. He's outside all the time. He's very active. So um, really felt confident he'd pull through, no problem. And throughout that week, um, he was getting oxygen. They were upping his oxygen. Um, he started to have difficulties breathing. So they kept on saying, you know, they had to find ways to relax him and get him pronated, um, to help prevent, you know, any pneumonia to settle in. Um, so they were pronating him for periods of time, then put him on his back and he was just getting exhausted. And, um, throughout that time, um, he, just kind of gave up. He, we had a call on the Friday after the Friday he went in and he looked rough. He was struggling and, um, you know, we couldn't be at his bedside, so we don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and we just, we were, we were struggling. He was struggling. You could see it. His face was puffy. Um, you know, he, he was struggling. He just said, I, I don't, you know, basically I don't, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, well, actually at, at that time, again, this was, if you, if I'm correct in hearing you, April, 2020, it was early on that very few, if anybody knew at that time of what they were doing with remdesivir, destroying the kidneys, you know, resulting yeah. in, in a lot of the, the, you know, the swelling you talked about and the lack of ability to breathe, all of these things. 
that they were actually contributing to the demise and deaths of so many. And early on, did you know that or, or, or what happened to, uh, you know, provide an intervention? Because they were, weren't letting family in either. No, the only thing we knew and we were finding out about was the ventilators. Once he's on a ventilator, his chance of survival was so slim. Mm -hmm. um, so we were trying to get him to fight that all he could. And he was trying so hard um, that we knew that, you know, we're getting that communication from the nurses, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, so at that point, he just, that that was really, we, we thought we were losing him. Um, when they called us back after, cause we were, we had to use Skype to call him cause we were, we were demand, like demanding like, Hey, we want to see our dad. We want to talk to him. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my mom hadn't gone more than 10 days without him. So we were, you know, day seven, day eight and she's, you know, nervous and she had to quarantine because, um, you know, her, her exposure. So we couldn't be with her. She was all by herself and, mm -hmm. um, we pulled a camper up by her house so we could be with her in outside setting um but yeah so at that point we we, we thought we were losing him um and basically they called us after that skype call and said you know you're i think a little bit earlier in the day they activated the poa um so dad had to go through that conversation with my mm -hmm. brother and mom and um <laughs> Then we got a call after the Skype call with dad and they said, yep, he, we tried pronating him again and he couldn't do it. So we got him intubated. Um, and our, <laughs> the roller coaster ride was just, it was incredible. Like we, that's what we kept on referring to because there'd be so many ups and downs. So they were like, okay, well, you know, things are looking good throughout the week. Um, you know, there'd be good days and okay. So, you know, let's get this, you know, let's get them off the uh, ventilator. And we were like, oh, you know, really, this is awesome. And it was like day five of um, being on the ventilator. And all of a sudden we got a phone call and my mom was just a wreck and he had developed a pneumonia. Um, they didn't know what kind of pneumonia it was. Uh, they threw three different antibiotics at them because they weren't sure. They couldn't prove it was a bacterial pneumonia. They tested that and they said it wasn't that. Um, they were suggesting it was the COVID viral pneumonia, which at this point, I mean, he's been fighting it for um, beyond two weeks. Um, and he, they ended up inserting a NAVA device. It's N-A-V-A. Um, it is a nearly adjusted ventilator assist device. It sits on the diaphragm and apparently they do it like a lot with infants. Um, so we started to kind of look into that too. And, and you can, if you don't get vent settings appropriate, you can also cause like a, a um, ventilator pneumonia is what I was reading. Yeah. I imagine it could create more problems than you started with. Once again, uh, I, I'm not faulting, at least in the early phases, many of these doctors and nurses who didn't know what they were doing, but there's still a lot, I believe culpability now, as we look back that they should have known better. The treatments that they were giving were known to create the symptoms that were then triaged and, and uh, then treated. And of course, there was a lot of economic conflicts of interest in hospitals for first diagnosing COVID, then getting them on vents, and then the, all of the protocols. And they denied many people uh, when they were learning about other options like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Uh, you described, you know, one of my dear friends, Richard Pearl, was sent into a hospital about that time and, and never came out they put him on remdesivir in the vent and he didn't survive They wouldn't let his wife or family in and he had nobody to fight for him. So how were you able to fight for your father? And I know 
again, there's a spiritual element to this, and I, I would ha ask that you let it loose right now. Absolutely. So um, I do know, like, our my sister's a naturopathic um, medicine doctor, and she was able to communicate to her community um, and find out, hey, we got to get his vitamin D levels checked. His vitamin D levels were eight. Um, and then uh, was able to get a uh, protocol for high-dose vitamin C. Um, so we got that going too during this time frame. Um, but I just remember throughout this process, when especially once we found out about the pneumonia, um, you know, we we had our pastor come in, we had our pastor saying prayers. We would have the phone go up, have the nurses put the phone up to dad's ears so that we were praying with dad. Um, and I remember how hard it was for me every single day to to grasp like. This is the stuff I've seen happen in hospitals. Like I've I've been there for those moments, and I've seen those families. And all of a sudden, this was this was me. I was going through this. Mm -hmm. My family was going through this. My dad was, you know, the patient. Like it was just it, there was so much to to try and understand and comprehend, and it was way too big for me, way too big. And I was struggling, and I my mom was definitely struggling, and you could just see it. So then my heart, you know, poured out to her too. And there was a day when all of a sudden she came to us and she's like, I just have to give this to God. Like, mm -hmm. there's nothing I can do. We're, we have no control. You know, we'll, we'll continue to fight for him and advocate for him. But ultimately, we don't have any control. And I got to give this to God. And as soon as she said that, the weight was like lifted off her shoulders. I could see a smile on her face again. And she just, she went into this mode that was like, I don't even know how to describe it, but she just went into a mode and mm -hmm. she was ready to just fight and, I, and be I, there. I'm getting, actually, I'm getting chills as you're talking. <laughs> Honestly, that's to me one of the most profound lessons we could all learn from this or any other thing like this. The things we have genuine control over, yes, take control. The things where we, we don't, turn over to God, yeah. a higher power, mm -hmm. whatever you perceive. It's, it's surrender, but not surrender, I give up, I'm defeated. It's surrendered to that which is more powerful than any hospital on planet Earth than any doctor or nurse on planet Earth. And to genuinely do that with a sincerity in the heart like your mother did, it just opens up the floodgates of potential that, you know, was just potential. And now you can put it into practice. And so this sounds like there's a book in the making here. There's a story that needs to be written down. Is that possible? Yes, it's definitely possible. This blow is all this blows my mind because I was, you know, I was out of it at that time. I had no idea what was going on, but the world was even turning. And on to hear what they, my family and my kids, my wife, what they went through, the emotions. It's just, uh, it's really been overwhelming um, for myself to hear what they went through and how they fought and brought God into their lives and our lives. And, and it gave me the power, apparently. And I didn't know it, but uh, it was it was falling onto me also to fight, and um, it was a fight that uh, I couldn't uh, couldn't give up. So Super Don says we actually have a, a a book cover in in the works here. Could we show it? Would you mind? Sure. All right. So I see it here. It's got ninety eight days, and it's got like an EKG kind of thing. You can see a scan type uh, monitor, and then a, a true COVID nineteen story. And it's got a lot of uh, things that were, it looks like maybe a quilt that was done of 2020 and what happened there. Um, how far along in this book are you? I don't want to pressure you, but uh, this story can't be told in a 30-minute in a segment. So. No, no. 
Yep, 98 days was the number of days I was in the hospital from August 7th until November 13th, 2020. And um, um, after I got home and I was talking with Ashley and after a few months, you know, I every day I was reliving, reliving everything that I went through. And every morning I'd wake up and think about it and think about it. And I could think, ah, let's make a good book or let's make a good movie. And, mm-hmm. and then at, one day Ashley said, you should just start writing. And, and I said, okay, I just started writing. I started going back to my memory and, and start bringing things that I w- went through like, that I could remember and just started putting it in, in book form. And um, we just finally, basically this week, we fin- finished it and I'm adding a few pictures to it and it's a bit off to the publisher. And she said probably four to six weeks or early spring, um, we should have it ready for well, the public. I want to make sure we know when that comes out so I can send folks to get it and get a copy okay. myself. Because this, like I said, I want to know more. And I know we only have like 10 minutes left uh, for you to explain some more tidbits, if you will, of, of what went on and your experience there, either from you, uh, Doug, or Ashley. What can you share? Um, so yeah, so as it continued on, our fight was definitely, you know, we had to fight for a trach because he, at 14 days, they suggested he, um, you can face vocal cord injury and I don't know if you can tell, but he's definitely still hoarse. So he still has that injury today. So Mm -hmm. it was day 20 before we, we, we had to have difficult conversation with, um, administration and, and the medical staff because we, you know, we couldn't be there again. And we were like, you know, we need him trained. Like that's what you've told us is beyond 14 days at risk his vocal cords at risk other things. Mm-hmm. So the ENT, we were almost transferring him and the ENT ended up calling us and saying, Hey, I'm going to do it. Um, so we kept him in place. We, um, we talked to administration because at this point, my mom again has not even been able to hold dad's hand through this process. Um, and, uh, so on August, um, or September 3rd, he got the trach. Um, and when they came out of that room, the ENT stated his lungs looked really good. And we mm-hmm. were like, like, it just gave us hope, like um, this profound hope of, you know, hey, his lungs didn't didn't get hurt during any of this. Um, so after that, um, you know, we still were fighting to see if we, you know, like, why can't we at least get in the room? I mean, at this point, he was um, 30 some days, um, with COVID, um, there there was even a nurse that was like, I just don't believe he's positive with COVID anymore. Like, even though the, the, the swab they were doing was testing positive, she's like, I just don't believe it. And so, um, you know, she would go in the room and you're supposed to put all the PP on for COVID positive patients. And after the trach, he was brought up to the CCU. So there was a glass door in the CCU. So they finally allowed us to visualize dad from that glass door. Um, so this nurse would walk into the room and she'd barely put some of her gear on because she was like, I just, I don't trust that this is still positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it gave us hope obviously. Um, but after, right after the trach, um, it was a couple days later, uh, Labor Day weekend, and we got a phone call and this is where that roller coaster, good days, bad days, it took another dip. Um, the, uh, nurse called us, uh, dad vomited, um, may have aspirated. They weren't sure. And he had some runs of VT, which is ventricular tachycardia. And 
we demanded a phone call with the doctor. We wanted to know what was going on because this sounded horrible um, to us. Again, we're not there. Um, last we heard, he was doing fine. And the doctor that got on the phone had suggested hospice um, care for our dad. And me and my they're, brother. They're, they're focusing on death again. Exactly. <sighs> yeah. Me and my brother and mom were sitting at our table at our my parents' home and we we're like, wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, he's been on a ventilator for, you know, at this point, three weeks. And, um, you know, he's not really showing signs that he's going to be waking up. And we were just like, no, we want to, we need a face-to-face -face conversation. Like, you can't tell us this. And, and you know, yeah. you just can't tell us this. So we went up there. Um, we got our face-to-face -face conversation um, on Labor Day. And the doctor we talked to ended up being um, a different doctor, and he was a community doctor. He'd been serving there for 26 plus years. Um, this guy took us and heard us, listened to us, and took dad to the end. Um, he, meaning pleasantly to the end, yeah. he, he's the reason why he's here today. Okay. Um, we, you know, straight up said to him, you know, ethically, how are you? how are you putting hospice on this guy? Like we explained to him dad's health because nobody really knows his health. They're just taking care of a patient now. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody knows what he did really beforehand. They just have their chart that they look at. Right. Um, so we explained who he was to us and who he is as a person. And we, you know, called out the ethics and the morals of it. And my mom even had mentioned, you know, we've heard about if you put a, put somebody on a ventilator and somebody dies on a ventilator, is there, money involved with that um and we said you know his lungs proved healthy his heart was healthy his liver was healthy um the kidneys were starting to show signs of failure that was the only thing which is normal and what about his brain we did check his brain um he was having the clotting factor so yeah he could have stroked out or you know a bleed because they're giving him blood thinners whatever um, so at that point he got the brain CT, um, brain CT was negative. And, um, at that point, um, we, doctor, the doctor took him and said, Hey, this, he's suffering from a C ICU delusion, uh, delirium. And that's why he's not waking up. Um, so it was a hard fight at that point too, because the delirium is not something I suggest anybody go through. <laughs> like it was, it was tough. Um, tough on us, tough on him, um, and getting off, weaning him off the medications. Um, that same day, he also sent off to UW Hospital a tissue sample, um, something from within the, like, further down um, to see if he was still truly testing positive for COVID because we're still locked out. Um, we yeah. still can't hold his hand. And yeah. there's, you know, at that point, you know, he's, we, he even stated, he's like, family needs to be by his side. Um, if he's going to get through the delirium. So that test, because it was Labor Day, they couldn't result it until Tuesday. Got that negative test right away in the morning and we got to go in by him. Um, okay. Hold his hand, um, get him through the delirium, um, mm -hmm. which was really tough. Usher him back to his body, right? And yeah, the, that's the family true. and the love, yes. Yeah. Uh, and another miracle, but you guys fought tena tenaciously. It didn't give up. And I'm not saying that a lot of people gave up, but they they did not know or did not have access to what you did. And again, that's partly the strong family bonds as well as the turning over that which you didn't have control over to God. 
and to allow for the surgical intervention. Now, there's so many more details we don't have time to go into. I imagine you're still recovering, Doug, and uh, maybe there's some help that that's out there. Super Don, do you have a, a website or something if people want to support Ashley, Doug, and the family in, in whatever the next steps are in the family? Here it is. Yeah, medical benefit, Doug Hines, Papa Fresh. <laughs> I'm seeing this now. Let me get rid of that, whatever's in the way there. And Silver Lake Lanes, there's a, oh, is this, this happened already in January? Yeah, this took place a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Um, incredible community turnout and friends and family. It nice. was tremendous. Nice. But there is still a, if, if anybody uses Venmo, if you want to support the family at Papa Fresh 21, uh, Venmo apparently will get there if you guys need some more support and recovery. Uh, I just want to, you know, remind you that the, the Robert Scott Bell show is part of a community. You know, this is a family here as well. There's a great group of folks around the world that listen and, and watch. And uh, maybe they're where you are as well that come together and help each other, which is so exciting, so thrilling, so heartwarming to me that this can happen, that we can get together. And, you know, even if it's a kind of a quick drive by visit on a story that is so much more in depth, but thank God you're putting it on a book form because there's a lot more I want to learn about what you guys went through. Yeah. There's a lot more, <laughs> awful lot more. Yeah. And, and Ashley here has a lot to do with it. And also my daughters, Angela, Amanda, Sean, and my son, Tyler, and of course my wife, Linda. They all together, you know, had this dream team that, that uh, kept me alive. Yeah, well, we, we definitely want to get you back on when the book comes out so we can remind everybody as well. And if you were to leave a message for everybody that's heard just a brief snippet of the stories that you, the things you guys went through, what would you want to leave with the audience from this moment forward until they could see the book? Oh boy. Um, that's a good question. I asked the tough questions and you guys yeah, yeah. Been tougher. So I know you can. <laughs> well, for, for me, I would say, um, you know, if something doesn't feel right or if something's not, you know, it's not, it's going against what you feel is, you know, following your own faith and following what you know is moral and ethical. Um, you need, you need to side with the moral and ethical part and your faith, um, because ultimately that's what we did. And we got this miracle sitting here today. Yes. Um, just, yeah. I, Cause right now our world is, is full of unknowns. And I think if, if I'm going to say that, that I think I'd leave with that. So. And Doug, how about your other daughter who's a naturopath, right? A natural doctor? Yes, yes. How about inviting her into hospitals? You know, how about having hospitals that use naturopathy and homeopathy? What about that? Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's very, find a lot more about that type of medicine. That's that's um, the way to go. He's he's actually been pursuing some of that, um, and we think that's why he yeah. hasn't been forced on dialysis yet. His GFR is 13. 13. Yeah. 13. So he's stage five kidney failure, but he is not on dialysis yet. And we think yeah. um, naturopathy yeah. has prevented him from that. Well, yeah, there are other things. If you need to reach out to me, I'll be happy to help, including the cardio miracle that I use and recommend on a daily basis because the blood flow, the microvasculature to the kidneys, the nephrons, everything in there, so critical. And uh, getting nitric oxide sustained production and counteracting free radicals is another thing that could help if you haven't already encountered the the the, the, uh, the cardio miracle. I would say that would be another step on the way. But anything I do to help you, please reach out to me. And let me know. Absolutely, we'll do. All right, Ashley Gunderson, Doug Hines. God bless you both. Thank you for coming on and sharing a bit of the story until the book comes out. 
And uh, it is inspiring. He lived. He's alive. We lost too many friends and family. All of us, uh, you know, we all know somebody or some buddies. Uh, and it's great to have a story of a success in the midst of a lot of these tragedies. And what can we learn from them? That's what I'm interested in. So we'll uh, we'll definitely have them back on uh, closer to the time that book comes out so we can learn more about that story and hopefully prevent this disaster, these disasters from ever happening again. Again, I'm not delusional about our power to change everybody and everything, but by sharing these stories, we do have an impact. And one by one by one, uh, we can direct our energies differently. Like, you know, we talked about with Kimberly Overton, Nurse Freedom Network, and uh, people establishing parallel type uh, systems. There are people that have, uh, you know, are setting up hospital systems that incorporate and integrate natural medicine now that are not asking permission of the government, trying to move outside of the public health sector. So uh, what we've been through has been apparently a necessary wake-up call. The saddest part, of course, are those that we've lost along the way, and I don't want them to have died in vain, and I know you guys don't either. So thank you again uh, to uh, Doug and Ashley. Uh, now, as we move on into the weekend, it's hard to make a transition from that because it's such a, a, an emotional thing. But again, I'm also uplifted by what they've shared a little bit of it, and I'm going to learn more. Uh, one of the other things we like to do is celebrate friendship, celebrate and enjoy each other's company, whether we can get together in the physical realm or if it's virtual like we do here. Like, you know, we said the Health Freedom Expo is a virtual one coming up uh, in a week. But there are times when we can get together, and when we do, we celebrate. And I'm celebrating right now the return of our good friend, my good friend, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. And which Michael Bolden shows up today, I don't know, but it's always going to be awesome, engaging, entertaining, informative, maybe even a little bit silly. Michael, you there? How about that, Michael Bolden? Oh, man. How do I follow up that segment? Oh, by not having clicking sounds on your audio. <laughs> Is it bad? Oh, it's horrible. It's a horrible clicker. But, you know, it's about re getting out and coming back in until we get it right. But what an intro, I have to say, Super Don. And uh, let's hear from Boltron in a moment when he gets that audio uh, reconfigured or configured. Jiggered. Yes, I don't know how that goes. But, dude, Ashley and Doug, I, I, yeah, I'm just so moved by their story. And, again, that was only tip of the iceberg, but I'm glad we could do that. Thank you, Kevin, for connecting us once again. All right, let's see if we can get – but that was a cool intro, I have to say. You like that? So far, I haven't had – mom hasn't complained, so that's good. It was very short. It's a very yeah. short music piece there. It shouldn't yeah. have scared people too much. No, I hope not. But dude, it's been a while since we've had some – some guitar on this show, huh? Yeah, I know. But uh, seriously, and, and and Doug was into it too. He's like, I'm with you, you guys. So that was cool. That's right. Let's see, That's do right. we have Michael Boltron in no, the house? No. Yes, yes, we do. It works. Does it work? Yes. Yep. Literally just, I just quit the Firefox browser and restarted. Yeah. It's uh, Okay. It's the excitement that happens when we get together. We never know. We actually needed that because we needed a little breather after yes. that that segment. That was some really powerful stuff. Yeah, it was. Wisconsinites it was. Like, too. Yes, also Wisconsinites. That's right, Marshfield, I think, and a lot of stuff has happened in Wisconsin. Uh, interestingly enough, my original you, you, home. You escaped. 
Uh, you're not you're not a popsicle in the winter uh, because of where you are. Um, but it's really it's good to see you. And thank you for disconnecting and reconnecting. So because I know you guys tested earlier, probably maybe no. not. No, <laughs> we course. did the one time test and that works for all time. Super yeah. nice work. Nice work on that super intro. You like, you like that? that? That's pretty cool, dude. Nice. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I know, like I said, it's it's not Mickey friendly music, but you know, it's a little snippet. I think we'll be all right. I could do some big band on my intro anytime. That's true. Yeah, you 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 are you can roll with a lot of different music. I know that. Uh, so I, I I'm just uh, I'm fasting today, so no talking about food because every time I see Michael Bolden, I want to go out and eat with him and just have a good time with Sarah Beth. I'm the only, only one on this stream wearing the official RSB gear today. Is that true? Oh, look at that. Yes, you got the RSB show hat. And it's the collector's edition. Yes, because the there there's a little it's something a covered up. Message. Yes. That what is, is it? Awesome. If you hold it under the proper light, we learn that the power to heal is yours. Yes. Is it a black light that does it? I don't even know. I haven't tried the the secret decoder. No, ring. no, but uh, I'm going to just go with that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is so awesome. Now, it's funny. Now, there are two of us wearing the official uniform. Actually, actually I chose to go a different route. I'm wearing the Jonathan E. Mord. Oh. Def oh, defend liberty, defeat socialism. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Nice. Now, Michael, are you able to... Uh, Make it with Sarah Beth to the Glendale event so we can hang out. No, that's this weekend. This next weekend, right? It's a, a Saturday the 18th. Yeah, Sarah's mother's um, in town. Bring Sarah's mother. I don't think that's going to be the way we're going to celebrate her birthday. Mm. All right. Well, I, I, it's my selfishness. <laughs> I mean, not that I wouldn't want to. I know. I know, dude. I, I look. I just I'm that close. I'm going to miss you. That that's going to bite. Well, all right. I'll I'll deal with the disappointment in another way. But uh, hopefully we can get together, maybe even outside of that, if there's time That'd in the midst awesome. of that celebration. Have I met Sarah's uh, mom yet? Uh, in Kansas City, when you were on our Nullify Now tour many, many years ago. Ah, okay. All right. Before so, yeah, the not... legendary basketball game. We're all going to do just inside baseball talk on this episode. Well, I love meeting the parents of the awesomeness that is you, Sarah, and everybody. I love meeting parents, honestly. Because sometimes they don't even know the significance of their children. And I like have a perspective on it. And I love to share that with, with their parents. And it's like, really? My daughter's a rock star. Yes. Oh, Sarah Beth is an awesome. My, my mother has been reminded of the significance of her youngest child ever since he could see. Yes. Yes. But by other people than you. <laughs> other than you. Oh, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Wait, I saw that intro and I figured this whole thing was about me. <laughs> well, normally that might be a mistake. You probably shouldn't run that. Well, you know what, wow. what Super Don and I, you know, talking about having you on and I'm so excited, you know, that we're doing this every other week. Hopefully that, that can continue. And the but answer is it is bi-weekly. It is bi-weekly. Thank you. Yes. I wasn't sure about that. Uh, so the discussion points that I, I go with you on, cause I love nullification and 10th amendment stuff. And then Super Don's going, no, enough of that. Like, not... We have the whole week for important things. Bolden can just be a little clown, dance, clown, dance. All right, Super Don, tell them what just happened. Yeah, your thing's making noise again. Bye. Be right back. <laughs> uh... so, I think it's it's funny the discussion points because for me, I am genuinely passionate about 
you know, all things 10th Amendment and 10th Amendment Center. So for me, I don't mind doing it, but you're like, it's oh, Friday. Oh, I know. Let's party. Let's I just, you know, listen, he, he does he does his thing. Like, you know, he yeah. does his videos and stuff mm-hmm. and it's about the Constitution and Thomas yeah. Jefferson and the nullification and the, you know, and it's a great educational experience. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, you know what? When he's going to be here, let's 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 go outside the box with Michael Bolden too. Okay, okay. you know, and I mean, he he can do that Thomas Jefferson Tenth Amendment Center stuff in his sleep, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's just I, me. I just you know, I, I I think it's dude has such a good sense of humor that yeah. you know we can we can go outside the no the comfort nothing zone. Like giggling uh, giddily with. <laughs> Michael Bolden. Uh, we suggest that we are going to go outside the box. I giggling. Did, what did you say? Giggling what? Giggling giddily with Michael Bolden. That's not a. It's I a love that. That's yeah. the name of. That's the new name of the segment. There. Not easy to say though. I see Leslie saying I'm with Super Don, but I was reloading my browser, so I missed yeah. all the the. Fun. So you got no, no, no. I was, I was saying, and I, and I've, I've told, I've said this to Robert when we were having the conversation that. Uh, that on Fridays, because you know, I mean, during the week, you are the man. Tenth Amendment, Thomas Jefferson, founding fathers, liberty, he does his constitution name. nullification. I'm like, hey, you know, maybe on Friday we just kind of just chill a little bit, yeah, and maybe cover some things that are maybe a little bit outside of your wheelhouse there, just to get some oh. some candid Boltron. But you guys are not implying that I have weekends off, do you? yeah i think we're giving him a respite from all the work he does what you're saying though is you're asking if michael bolden has other sides and facets to his personality and knowledge base besides those those sides of 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 boltron that we don't normally get to see oh uh, on a live stream yeah is that safe to do oh look he's nervous look at that oh i see it (laughs) no i'm nervous for you guys i don't know if there's anywhere else you can get canceled Oh my gosh. Yeah, how, cool, how, it? how is your new living situation working out for you there? The new geographical location there in, in uh, Southern California. Is my audio better? Yeah. And there's no, no popping, no clicking. So then it's working great. Um, yeah. uh, so the, for those who aren't on, you know, in the loop, uh, I lived for many years in downtown Los Angeles, uh, about almost 20, maybe 23 or so. And it, the lockdowns actually ruined what I love about it. Now, some people obviously just hate cities no matter what, but I've always been kind of an urban dude. I haven't owned a car in ages. I live my life walking to coffee shops and I go to the grocery store or random markets a few times a week. Like I'll go to the bakery for bread. I'll go to the butcher for meat instead of just one big box grocery store. And I love that lifestyle, restaurants and running into people while I'm out for a walk and things like that. But once the lockdowns came in, I mean, for those of you who see things on the news and stuff, you know there's a bit of a homeless problem in downtown Los Angeles, pretty bad. But when there's like thousands of tourists out and about, it's not really a huge deal. Once all that shut down, there were two big problems. I mean, other than obviously the restriction on freedom, but (laughs) two big problems. A lot of my favorite small businesses just went under. So Mm -hmm. local coffee shops, we had so many local coffee shops in the area and I would bounce around and do some work and meet a lot of people. And it's just a nice environment uh, and trying to support small businesses and families and stuff like that with your money rather than Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
a lot of those were getting shut down but then on top of it like a zombie horde the uh homeless population of 10 12 13,000 people which was held at bay just by the sheer mass of people in the area just started swooping in we had break-in attempts blah 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 so finally i said to sarah i'm like you want to get out of here <laughs> and she said yeah let's do it and we moved to uh, a, a suburb of orange in orange county called irvine which is just we went from one of the most dangerous neighborhoods highest crime rate areas in the country to the place that is now the lowest rated crime rate in the country for 16 straight years so with the clickety clack returning come back and we'll build on that uh what browser are you on right now firefox i think he said yeah but did so we look, figure out that, that worked because it's just bizarre yeah. how it just no rhyme nor reason to why the audio will work and not work so click out click back in and we'll continue the discussion but i can't wait to visit uh the area that he's in because i see irvine's nice irvine's Sarah, nice yeah bike rides that are extraordinary they're, they're really beautiful looks like i all. when i lived i lived in south southern california for uh for a short period of time mm -hmm. and uh i actually worked in irvine and uh, it's yeah, it's a very nice, upscale, professional, you know, type of uh, of area. Not cheap, of course. Of course, nothing is in, nothing in Southern is California. There. Anyway, but um, yeah, it's a nice area. One of the nicer areas there in Orange County. What was this story about? Thousands of kids are missing from school. Where did they go? Did you? I didn't get a chance to read that, but it, it appears that like pre-COVID to post-COVID, it's like suddenly thousands of children are unaccounted for, like they show up to school and then they're gone when, when it comes back in session. Um, yeah. I'm going to wait just a second here and what see if that? he connects here in just a second so he can hear what we're talking yeah. about here. So, yeah, here so here's, here's the, here's the story. So this, and this is, uh, this is from AP. So apparently when the pandemic hit, you know, they shut down all the schools. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, kids went home. And they just did the Zoom thing or whatever it was that their school said they had to do. Well, when they lifted the restrictions, they were like, okay, everybody come back to school. Mm. Well, it turns out that uh, there's an estimated 230,000 students in 21 states that they cannot account for now. They can't find? They can't find it. I mean, that's 230,000 kids. That's a lot of kids. Now, it's not yeah. like they're all on milk cartons. Uh, you know, like, you know, they're, they're literally like missing, but they just decided not to go back to school. And so they read up this article on, on AP about, you know, what, what's going on here? He says they're missing. Now, my hopeful response to this is that they are Same just thing. now unschooled. The, best place. The, the yeah. best place for them to be is not in public school. <laughs> not be schooled at all and to learn about the basics of life in reality. And so I hope that's the case. I, I mean, I hope they're not on milk cartons. But that's an interesting thing that they didn't show up on private school or even homeschool roles. I mean, maybe the parents just said, ah, we're done. We're not doing it. Yeah. Well, you've got a certain number of them, they say, that that did go to homeschooling. Uh, mm -hmm. A certain number of them uh, did not, though. And so they have some concerns. You know, they're just not getting an education. Um, but, you know, it's like Michael was saying. I know we've talked about on this show a number of times that, uh, you know, maybe they might be learning at home. Yeah. Maybe not officially in a homeschooling capacity, but uh, they're, they're probably better off. Enrollment dropped 700,000 between 2019 and 2020 and 2021, 2022 school year. 
almost three quarters of a million American, American children might be safer not being in that environment. Again, I don't know. I can't account for all of them either, but uh, that's my inclination is to go the, the fewer kids that are raised in government schools or even private schools that have adopted a lot of the government school theocracy. They all mostly do. I mean, I went yeah. to private school and I was taught that government was the solution to every problem on earth. Yeah. The number of children registered for homeschooling surged around 184,000, which is a big number. Some families moved, moved out of state, accounting for some of the enrollment decline in birth rates, and some states are falling, it says. The population of school-age kids in the states uh, that they studied fell by 183,000, according to the census estimates. So that leaves, when they do the math, an estimated 233,000 students still unaccounted for in the data. These are children who didn't sign up for private school or homeschool or move out of state. They're just missing. Hmm. How do you how do you explain that? What, what what could be the possibilities there? I don't want to go With, negative. without yeah without going negative yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it possible that that many families have said, you know, we're we're really pulling out of that system and we're not engaging in it? We're not asking for permission. We're not you know telling you anything. I mean, if that, that's the case, we wouldn't hear about it from the Associated Press. Hmm. Yeah, other than the fact that they can't account for them. I don't know what that means. There's, there's a story there, clearly. But what is it? We don't know the answer, I don't think. Yeah. If their parents are all fans of the Tenth Amendment Center, that'd be the story. Like, yep, we've learned. We're pulling out. The, ki the kids ain't going back. If that'd there were that many fans, I probably would retire. <laughs> that would, yeah, I that would be, be needed. Everybody else would just be doing it for me. Yeah, yeah, you'd be great. You know, when you were talking about the what you like to do in terms of city to be able to walk to a cafe or a coffee shop or you know the different little little places you know reminds me of our dearly departed friend liam chef he was very much like that although he probably wouldn't have gone to the butcher shop he was largely vegetarian but other than that you know it was just he got great joy enjoyment out of being in that environment as well and yet the concern i have for it is the promotion of something called a 15-minute city have you covered that on path to liberty no. Have you heard about the 15-minute city? No, but I'm just kind of getting from context what it might be. I'm interested. Yeah. All right. So disconnect and reconnect. We're having all the clickety-clackety coming back. I know it's a pain, but we're going to hang in there a little bit more. Uh, but the from Maybe a try a different browser this time. See what happens. Yeah, why not? Give it a go. Uh, but the 15-minute city, as I'm reading about it, it, it goes right into the World Economic Forum propagandizing for— So what's a 15-minute city? It's, it's supposedly where everything's within 15 minutes of each other. And you guys and gals that have studied it more than me specifically, there might oh. be nuances to that. I but live in a 15-minute city. Yeah. But, I mean, it's more <laughs> or less where you don't have the ability or the freedom to use cars. It's all public transport. Oh, and I everything, see. Everything would be digital. In other words, you wouldn't carry money. It would all be digitized. So it really ties into the, the worst or the most nefarious of. So you're uh, walking, the, riding a bike or riding a horse or something, I guess. Huh? Or a bus or if they have it. But bus, uh, yeah. it's not, even though there's positive signs because there's uniqueness to being in a, a little environment where you can just go to places and get things. The 50-minute city would be the one that's enveloped from above. And again, digitized, no money other than what you have implanted in you. And Good luck getting on the in the, the public transport if you need it even. Uh, if you haven't, for instance, um, I don't know, gotten your latest booster. So 
that it's taking the good side of what Michael Bolden likes and Liam Sheff liked about being in that little ability to go everywhere, but not having the freedom to do it other than being an obedient little digital slave. Hmm. And well, hopefully I don't sound horrible. You're good. <laughs> Here's Chrome. But um, hmm. what I loved was doing all the stuff. What I hated was what you're describing. And that's what I experienced during the pandemic lockdowns in downtown yeah. Los Angeles, which were aggressive. But I did find all the little kind of black and gray market businesses that stayed open over those periods of years. My favorite Chinese restaurant, there was a really cool Jamaican place, my barber, people that never followed along any of this stuff. And someone would come visit and say, what, where can we meet for a drink? I'm like, I got a spot. So <laughs> that was kind of a the, cool thing, but I don't want to live my life like that all the time. The COVID speakeasies. Huh? Yeah, really, it happened. Yeah. yeah. So the question is, in a 15-minute city that is is a digital city, as we know what all that means, what that they call means. them smart cities. Yeah, smart cities, right? That and I actually had in one apartment. I had they have the the digital LED street lights. Those are now equipped in many cities like LA and San Diego with audio devices. They can hear and speak and yell at you. There's one right out a bedroom window. Wow. Scary. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. So the rise of of. Uh, I guess you saw the black market, gray market realities. Is it is it become a science fiction dystopian novel where you're living outside the walled city and, scr and scrounging for scraps or actually living peacefully and happily versus what they end up experiencing being completely digitized? Mm -hmm. yeah. We're in on that. Yeah, I know. But I, I, I don't want to say the wrong word and ruin my browser here. Today. Right. I, know. <laughs> I mentioned earlier that the uh, premier of Alberta and Canada is pushing back in their form of federalism a little bit on. Yeah, they uh, have it there. Uh, it's real. Yeah. And, and, and pushing back because this is a big play right now for Canada and, and Trudeau and the globalists there to mandate digital identifications, identifiers. And he's threatening from the federal you know level of Canada to go, we're going to shut down your access to the healthcare system, which is, yeah. you know, is a socialized single payer. And, you know, most people go, okay, well then I'll do whatever to have access to that. But at least one premier is fighting back. Alberta has, has a, definitely a little bit more freedom oriented Western style uh, viewpoint of the people of Canada and its government. Uh, but I, I, I did a big 30 minute monologue unintentionally about the digital ID and the concerns I have that people don't know how significant, significantly bad it is among many things that are bad and how it would basically eliminate any escape route in a sense, other than that dystopian outside the walls nightmare. Digital ID tied in with digital license plate tied in with central bank digital currency is a way to get people to be in a, a life where you said the wrong thing on social and now you can't buy milk mm -hmm. or even get to the store in the first place. But it's a real it's a real control grid. Yeah. And I know Superdome was like, I don't think people really care about it. And, and that concerns me obviously greatly because I'm thinking, well, let's be specific. What do you mean? Don't yeah. really care about what? about well, you know, not, not what not what michael just yeah. said right because no, 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 that no, no, yeah no. that would suck yeah but i'm saying people that would care about that they would write over that as i'm relating it and you're relating yeah. and i'm not saying that's you saying you're just going the impression i have is that people still not really aware they of the can't relate to it it's something they can't relate to when you when you quite often when you put out something like that they're just kind of like okay that sounds like something from some movie on on uh sci-fi channel uh mm -hmm. or on netflix or something like that because they've never experienced anything like that you know, it's kind of like, how, how do you, how do you like, uh, how do you get that point across to somebody that actually makes them concerned and makes them believe that it's something they need to be worried about? 
because it sounds so far-fetched, you know? It does. It sounds like science fiction, you know? There's a propensity, I think, in humans to not do something, not to get out of their day-to-day life, which they may be comfortable in to some degree, Mm -hmm. unless they really have to. I mean, who wants to have to fight against some far-off, potentially far-off, while they're just building the infrastructure? But as my style goes, James Mm -hmm. Otis Jr. warned us, if we do not resist at the first attack... It may soon be too late. So you're supposed to resist when you see them building the infrastructure for this stuff. Well, and listen, I mean, if you'd ask somebody, if you'd ask any of us, you know, five years ago, uh, could you imagine that they would make it like illegal to go outside, you know, in your city and that you wouldn't, kids, you wouldn't be able to go to school, you know, and uh, you'd have to wear a mask everywhere you go. uh, And, you know, some people would end up in jail because they... uh, said no i mean you know that kind of thing it, again that at that time what is it like something from like v for Vendetta, yeah. right yeah. that's a movie right that's not real that's fantasy but it actually happens some crazy stuff happened yeah so I mean, it's only going to get worse i mean i don't think they're done and unfortunately uh there's millions of people who beg for this kind of stuff hmm yeah, it's the opposite of not just believing that this is happening or it's possible, but they actually cheerlead for it. That's, a, yeah, a huge issue. I agree. And it's so disappointing. Look, we got to take a brief break. Are you with us till the top of the hour? So the shortest version of, okay. So bonus round a little bit with uh, Michael Bolden hanging out here. Thank you all for being here. Thanks to the, uh, uh, you know, uh, amazing stories and connections we're making here on the show. It's so grateful. Thank you. Shout out to Kevin Tuttle, our buddy, who's helping make that possible as well. And, uh, The power to heal is yours. Hey, the good news. Mom gives thumbs up to the segment. She says, it's okay with me. Great segment and always awesome to see Michael. And she's got a little little heart eyes looking at Michael Bolden. Nice. Nice. Thank you. So this is Bolden's bonus round. That's what we're calling this. Hey. Steve McCaffrey. Do you guys see Steve's uh, comment on Facebook? No, what was that? He recommended if the connection's audio static persists, we may have to dub this Bolden's bi-weekly big brain broken browser buzz bash. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now there's an alliteration if I've ever heard one. I, I, I was going to recommend Lord Bolden's big voodoo dance party. Uh, well, I would go that to that. That means we'd have to have good music, though. Yeah. Well, I think I think, I think as a producer can, for this show. We could, we could maybe pull that off. Yes, Maybe we can do that at Leslie's uh, homestead in Missouri at the at the uh, RSB Family Union in July. That, that could be awesome. So, what did you this? see this, Michael? Did you see this? That uh, yeah, we haven't actually talked about the whole balloon thing with you. Oh man, yeah. what what is your take on this? I've heard a lot of different ideas about this. Um, I'm curious what you think my take is. Okay, what do you think? Bolden's take well, is. I'm curious, Robert, what you think his take is. Yeah, someone. Oh, uh, just deflect. deflect anyway, the reason more. why I'm even showing this here is they shot down, apparently they shot down a second balloon today. Mm-hmm. This one was over Alaska. And Yeah, uh, it said the balloon had 40,000 feet. That's it was at 40, No, it was at 40,000 feet. Oh, it was at 40,000. Yeah. It didn't have, okay. I was like, yeah. what was on there with 40,000 feet? So they shot it down over Alaska. You know, look, if I was to just kind of separate myself out from all the quote-unquote conspiratorial stuff, look, you got some foreign power, if it's real, sending stuff over your, uh, you know, on uh, you, you have an uh, authorization. I mean, look, 
it's considered potentially an act of war, you could shoot it down. Obviously, there is concern. You know, there is legitimacy to saying, hey, I don't want to shoot it down over a big city and bring it down on people. But like you said, the first one didn't make sense. If they actually tracked it in Alaska, there's hardly anybody there uh, to hurt. But I just think there's so much more to this. And who knows if it's another false flag? You can't say that it isn't. There's been so many. You know, is this an American thing? Not a Chinese thing. I'm sorry to ask that or say it. I'm sorry. I'm well, not. they did say that the balloon had uh, American writing on it. And what they're alluding to is that it was some of our own technology that was used in the creation of the balloon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean what it's can you a surveillance out? balloon, right? Yes. Balloon. That's, what yes. That's what they're it's, saying. In fact, they said they found they found they say the it's payload a spy today. balloon, right? Yeah. yeah. A spy balloon, yeah. They so found the big a lot of people out. are upset about potentially whether it's domestic or foreign. A lot of people mm-hmm. are pretty upset about a spy balloon, right? Yeah. I mean, are people? I thought really I thought it was interesting that Biden, when he gave the the interview with uh, whatever her name is over there at PBS mm-hmm. uh, after the State of the Union address, and she asked him about the balloon, he said, ah, "Yeah, it wasn't really a a, a breach, or and, you know, we're, it didn't affect our relationship with China." Yeah. Okay, that's solid. Okay, you think so? It's the least kind of bellicose insane thing he could do <laughs> yeah i just think it's interesting i mean if you've got another country and they they send a balloon i mean whatever it just it sounds funny to you know talk about a balloon in the sky but whatever they send any type of, of craft aerial craft of some sort sure. that is collecting information on you flying over your military bases your your uh, missile silos etc that to act like, uh, no, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I not really don't really care. You know, just not that big of a deal to me. That's kind of a big deal. I would rather Joe Biden not care about anything in foreign policy based on his record. Well, okay. But all right, let's say we had a president in there that wasn't a buffoon. Okay. That's a different story. If we had a president in there who wasn't a buffoon, he would use an executive order and stop the CIA from collaborating with the NSA and the FBI to conduct illegal warrantless surveillance on everybody 24-7, 365, and probably talk about that almost constantly. And so if people were pissed off about a big red spy balloon, it's not red, a big spy balloon, they'd probably be spending more of their time talking about all the surveillance that's happening on everybody all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's taking it to the next item. But we do have a buffoon. Well, I mean, we could call him dumb just like they call every president. But I think there's some evil genius in all of these people. He's kind of like a placeholder. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Right? But to to your point, you know, you're worried about uh, China theoretical or actual China spy balloon and how much of uh, the American people have kind of looked the other way as we are spied on 24 seven. You mentioned even, you know, the street lights listening to you and being able to shout at you. And that's yeah, not, yeah. It, it might be Chinese bought. I don't know, but it's not the Chinese government per se doing it. It's like a well, local governments country. are horrible. They spy oh. and lie. And yeah. that made me think now, but what do you know about this thing about how like the, there's these, these China police stations that are in various places around the country. Have you heard about this? monitoring the chinese nationals in america i don't know i i, I actually i honestly have you heard about this Mm-mm. you haven't heard about this Mm-mm. there i've heard people talking about this how they actually have 
like police i i have to get more information on it because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but the, apparently that they do have police stations around if they were anywhere they'd be in irvine <laughs> there's a, a very chinese large population. chinese population caucasian is not a majority in irvine how about that well you know you're to your point again michael going to the where it should go you know if we are going to paint outrage at a foreign national power spying on us it's like how how is it that we are not up in arms or or at least protesting in a big way something at our Worrying own about which dude is going to run the biggest surveillance apparatus ever known to man to protect us from the next spy balloon i think is pretty dumb hmm. and that's pretty much all anybody does so meanwhile uh, like Thomas Paine told us, because they do all this to us with our own tax dollars, we're furnishing the means by which we suffer. Um, and that's kind of my take. Yeah, I mean, I think a foreign policy, if we were in a situation where our own rights were not being violated constantly by our own government, certainly there'd be something to say about something like that or do. And that doesn't mean you ignore it completely, but the fact that people are concerned about surveillance of the balloon, but then just yeah. license plate readers that can capture up to six to 800 license plates per minute, and then they store it forever, and then they keep a database profile of where people go, whether it's yeah. a church or a gun store or a protest or whatever. I mean, the crazy amount of surveillance that happens is, well, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So check so, this. This is from the BBC. Okay. This is from November of 2022. Reports of Chinese police stations in the U.S. worry FBI. <laughs> when I saw this, I was just like, what? The FBI is concerned by reports that secret police stations linked to China have been set up across the U.S. Well, Whoops. Who, who well, published this? This is BBC. <laughs> so, I mean, this is not, you know, this isn't some weird blog or something. This is a mainstream news source. Wow. Yeah, but do and, they only uh, cite the FBI? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to read more into this here. I was just yeah. trying to find a reference to it, but it's a real thing. And apparently, well, I, if it's from, from the, the things, FBI, it's not necessarily a real thing, if I'm going to tinfoil hat it a little bit. That's not. Okay. I mean, if the FBI says it, you got to question it like you question CNN or almost every media source there is. Uh, so uh, no, it's a legitimate I mean, it could question. could be real. Yeah. I mean, they're a pretty we'll, impressive we'll, regime in China. I mean, we'll table the topic. For they the, would for the do something like that if they could get away with it. I would think. Well, it's like you know, we we have these here to repatriate uh, uh, Chinese nationals, right? That would be their 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 mm -hmm. maybe their official story as to why they're doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why would I mean? Do you, let's just say if it's real. How welcoming would the communist Chinese government be about, hey, you know what? Uh, the U.S. Uh, wants to set up some police stations in there to monitor uh, the Americans that are in China. I mean, I mean, they do. Uh, they may not be physical police stations, yeah. but via satellite and sure. FISA Section 702, where they're tapping into all uh, basically all cable, international cables. And if you think about how uh, a VoIP via voice over IP call goes, it bounces through four different countries. So they're basically monitoring every communication on earth. Yeah. We are living in a science fiction 
Happy Friday. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> All right. This is All the right. big voodoo dance party right here. Right. Where is the voodoo dance party going to eat dinner tonight? What's happening? I'm not sure. Sarah yeah. asked if we were going to, what we we're going to do for dinner. I'm not sure. I'm going to call her and ask her if her mom wants to come up. And How hard is it for you guys to decide on what to have for dinner? Is it hard to do? Well, I mean, we'll talk. I'm not trying to get you in any trouble. I'm just we'll saying, is it like about it? It's just generally uh, narrowing down of options. Do you or, go through the same thing like a lot of people do, where it's like, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? Yes. I don't care. What do you want? Yes. And you eventually flip a coin. No, no coins. No coins. We only have we're we're on the CBDC standard already, so we uh, we just flip a phone. Oh, I see. No, I <laughs> uh flip the credit card <laughs> yeah. there you go okay it's a real thing I, yeah, they sell these things it. online where you can create like a spinning wheel and you can put like a list of all the different restaurants in town so when you get to that point you just spin the wheel well the amount of restaurants would number in the thousands wow yeah all right so the we're top 10 restaurants. Living, we're not living in such populous environments where that's the case so, I mean, most of them I probably shouldn't eat at, but yeah, that's true. How many of them are RSB approved, right? Four. So uh, remember, <laughs> remember the mm -hmm. chia that goes into this digestive tract to just yes. flush it all out. Mm -hmm. And I did yeah. actually just get just yesterday mm -hmm. a new once every three month delivery of my cardio miracle. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, you said that just board. before. I don't know if just before I got on, you were mentioning. So I just got I think it, you I, save a few bucks when you do it that way, too. It was well. I did through Amazon rather than direct, just because it oh. was faster. But it still right. was. I got fifteen percent off. I'm sure they do the same thing on their website. There you go. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's the fastest expediency. It's Speaking of Cardio Miracle, there is a, a special coming up here in just a few days uh, for Valentine's Day. Oh, you have access to that? I it, it isn't official yet. It hasn't gone live. I think uh, John okay. Hewlett's going to be making the announcement on the thirteenth. Okay. Um, but I believe it's like you get two ninety servings. Uh, you buy two and you get one free plus a free fifteen tra uh, sleeve of a travel pack thing. Yeah, for for like I don't know, it's like two hundred ninety seven dollars or something like that. Yeah, for I Valentine's it. Day. Yeah, Dude, I'm cranking again in the in the gym. As I said yesterday, I went twenty three rounds. I had you know I had an early visit to the gym, so I had the time. I'm like, I'm gonna keep going. It was awesome. I'm not and, doing that, but and I'm standing still. Well, actually, I, I usually by the time we do the bonus Bolden's bonus round, I'm sitting on my stool. But uh, for the most part, like I said, that soreness that I was feeling uh, from tr you know being out of it because of the travel and and I was under the weather that week, um, I feel like I'm pretty much back. Like I said, nice. that's a quote from uh, one of Keanu Reeves movies. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm back. And on that note, you got to go, don't you? I do. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. All right. well, well, thanks for hanging out. Tell this Sarah awesome. thanks for lending us her honey for it a few did, minutes. It, it, am I getting clicking still here at the end? No. No. I no, it's just very, very, very minor. I mean, it's just it was just here and there. So this worked for whatever reason. That's yeah. wild because the biggest trouble we had was on Chrome browser. Yep. Yeah, isn't that weird? Just strange. Well, this thanks for I'm uh, happy to bounce around browser to browser if you guys are cool with it. Yeah, we're cool. I don't with it. Absolutely. Yeah, as long as we, we, we make it through, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the great segments in the and bonus. And it forces me to shut up once in a while, too. <laughs> yeah. 
By the way, do two weeks from now is that going to be a controversial day because I'll be away, or what? what we're going to plan that one. Where are you on that one? On the twenty uh, next steps uh, conference. Twenty four. Well, that's the one in, in Lake Lanier Islands. Yeah. You want to come out to Atlanta and hang out with me there? Does uh, the word "want" has a very specific meaning, and the answer is yes. Right, I understand, but uh, <laughs> something else going on probably at that moment. So, so we might have we might have to uh, tailor our our calendar for special events uh, and see. But oh, because you're going to do a row of people just popping. I in. might do a row of people, and you know, also you never know the the, the internet uh, connectivity that's happened before as well. So. Let's, so uh, could we just postpone it one week and have you on the following Friday? I'm not sure. All right. Look at the dates. Check. check the dates. Yeah, make sure so we don't and miss it. We'll figure it then out. It's not se- then it's semi-bi-weekly occasionally because of that. Well, I mean, I'll still be in the chat. Those are my favorite shows, the live remotes. I love those. Yeah, they are fun. It's just because you, you feel the energy, and it's especially when you're just like, oh, hey, and you're waving to someone, and then they pop in they and sit down up. for 10 minutes. Yeah. I love that stuff. That's All just, right, we'll definitely do that. Those are great. We know what we're doing that weekend. Then. All right, you All guys right. rule. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. See you, Have Baldwin. a great weekend. Hold All on. right, you do the same. Yeah. See you. Uh, so uh, as far as Sunday's broadcast, uh, we don't know what's happening, but maybe we could do a, a you know, recording for we a new hour something. or something tomorrow. I've got to do um, the Morgellon Sufferers group tomorrow. Every I think quarterly or so, I uh, show up and help them with uh, what is that? It's kind of it's kind of it's a new stuff. a new thing that they that that Restream is doing. Why was it Wiggly? It's it's doing weird stuff. Yeah, was it you're doing that? Are you doing that? I'm trying to turn it off. It won't go away. I don't see it now. Uh, oh. Stabilized for me. Our maybe. windows are wigging out and acting crazy. Yeah. I'm not I doing can, that. No, I can see it and th- on your monitor, but not on mine. It's funny. That is weird. Well, there goes Super Don, and he'll be back. All right. I just <laughs> want to say, wrap up the weekend. So you're telling me that everything looks normal right now to you? No, now you're wiggling out and in. You're going. I don't know why it's doing this. It's weird. Maybe well, it's a it's a new thing. Those QR <sighs> codes. Maybe it's a glitch in the restream. But I want to thank Doug and Ashley, of course, and Michael Bolden <laughs> for being on board. And uh, we had Kimberly Overton. She was great as always, and uh, good good Friday show overall. I appreciate y'all being here and sharing the show and. Uh, bearing with the kind of wig out stuff that I'm seeing Super Don's screen doing. It's kind of yeah. I, I'm like, I can't make it work. I can't get dizzy. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going Marge on. Marge is getting dizzy. Sorry. Leslie says you're <laughs> dancing. It's the dance. Party. It's not. I swear. See now you're you're stuck now over on the side. Yeah, I don't see you anymore. Lori yeah, says well, crazy. I take myself. Yeah. We just need, it's, we need it's a new feature that that restream has has put on here where we can put QR codes on the screen yeah um but I guess it's yeah look at that everything's just wigging out here on my control panel so anyway well um, thank you all for being here and sharing the show really appreciate you uh yes. we, we have to set up our AMA this month I maybe we can talk about that tomorrow when we connect to yeah. reward yeah sounds good yeah I think it's glitching this new new thing that they've added in um, like a roller coaster type of fun. Yes. Leslie laughing. Big hugs to all y'all out there. Hi, mom. Love you. Thank you for all that you do. And I look forward to seeing you at the next steps conference. 
and all the other upcoming events that are there at the upcoming events tab. There you go. And dizzy, dizzy, dizzy. We just need a like a little four four beat and see if it fits. I don't know. Now I'm worried what the, the what the ending video is going to do, but I guess we're about to find out. Rut row. Here we go. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Thanks.